Today is Wednesday, April 19th, 2023, and you're listening to the Ask a Christian podcast. I'm your host, Nate. And if I sound far away, it's because I have a dog sitting on my lap, preventing me from reaching my mic. So, holy moldy, let's talk about some black mold (laughs) that has infested some of our regulars' houses. Uh, Dealing with dishonest Muslims. That's unfortunate. I like to have civil and honest discussions, but sometimes... The deception is just too much from certain people. Um, Is cursing a sin? If there were no God, would you live differently? It's a little more of a deep answer uh, than you may think so at first glance. So we're going to talk about the shallow answer, the superficial answer, and then the deeper answer, which is, well, (laughs) if truly no no God existed, then we wouldn't be having this conversation because no one would exist. So it's more than just, ah, would I do things differently? And then we end up talking about biblical versus Islamic manuscripts and uh, the accuracy, the differences, what happened with which ones. So join us today and enjoy the podcast and be sure to please, pretty please, share these links to this podcast around the internets and check out the Ask a Christian store available. <laughs> Ask a Christian store available, yes, in the podcast description link and the Ask a Christian book. Uh, which explains what we do and the mission behind the podcast and how to have civil conversations with people who are not always so civil or honest. And you can also all... Uh, da, 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 da. Be good, dog. Be good, dog. Dog, don't eat the cat, dog. Don't eat the cat. Also, <laughs> d- donate to the vet bill. No, donate to uh, support the podcast and keep us going on the air. And uh, also prayers for the dog and cat to play along nice. So far, so good, but, you know, um, the hissing is real sometimes. So everyone enjoy the show, enjoy the podcast, take care, and have an awesome day. We'll see you next time. What, you want to you wanna sneeze on me, dog? Are you not done yet? You want to act like you're sniffing and sneeze on my face? How about you sneeze on the microphone for all these people? All right, take care. Goodbye. I was, if I hadn't, if I hadn't discovered it, you know, sooner, so. Oh, boy. Um, so it's taking yeah. you like a, what, you were just coughing and stuff like that? Yeah, I, it started a month ago. Uh, it's small coughs here and there. And then, then, and then I started getting fever and then chills and then, yeah, I, I've never gotten sick with mold cause I, I've never had mold. Um, it was my first time getting sick with mold and, and having the, the side effects of it, um, uh, was exactly what you would have gotten sick of with, if you had mold. Right. So oh I knew that was the cause of it right away after I discovered that. So do you know what uh, caused it? Was it just like, was there water dripping into it somehow or something? Or I think that's what happened. I mean, I've had my drinks, uh, spill here and there. I think it added up and the mold, you know, started growing because of it. Um, I, I just didn't really think I would have clean, cleaned it off since I was, since the, uh, when I accidentally, uh, dripped my drink in be- it was in between the sofas cause that's where I placed it. So, <laughs> cause you know, it's like, kind of like a cup holder. <laughs> <laughs> Gia just commented in chat. She says she's been dealing with mold too. Oh goodness. Maybe that's oh, my problem. Like we've all been like sick over here for like a month, and like we we thought it was just like something going around at my kid's diseased school, but I don't know. Maybe I need to check for black mold. Like that's crazy. Someone just texted me like, "This is the day the Lord has made." I'm like, now I, all I can hear is, "This is the day the mold is made." <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
I mean, I, I, I would check, you know, you just never know. Maybe people are saying they're getting sick of mold because you might, God is giving you a sign or something. It's like falling on top of you. <laughs> or you spill <laughs> drinks in your couch. <laughs> yeah. Well, Welcome, not anymore. Yeah. Tell us all your thoughts on mold. <laughs> uh, CEO, what, what's your uh, mold experience? I haven't had too much mold experience, fortunately. Uh, I'm sorry to hear about that and that, and I, I hope that Thank gets you. Some... Yeah. Hey, Russ, welcome. I haven't cleaned it yet because no I, my, I told my husband to do it because I didn't want to get sick from it more. Because I know if you inhale it, that that'll get you sick, and so I'm staying away from it for now. You know, it's still there though, but I'm not like. Uh, the sofa is like we what we did is we put plastic on top of it uh maybe it'll that's not the right thing to do but i just don't want the fumes to get on anyone's nose and yes but sadly um when i discovered it my toddler had uh, gotten sick and he got the same symptoms fever chills and cough and Jeez. and yeah so it's been spreading <laughs> It's already spread I, would, it. I mean, I would think drag that thing out into the sunlight and spray it with disinfectant and leave it there all day. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, for the meantime, I guess I can do that. Because my husband hasn't gotten around um, dealing with it since he's ha had work and homework. Because he, he does, he goes to night school. And so he's been, um, his schedule's been very hectic for that very reason. He's been, he has loads of homework and but for the meantime, that's a good idea. I'll definitely do the disinfecting. Well, Yvette, I would also say this. As a husband, I understand the art of procrastination. I do it quite often myself, and it makes my <laughs> wife unhappy. But this is something major, right? Like, our number one job is to be protector and provider. So I think when he comes home, you, you, you can recognize he's tired, but maybe reinforce the importance of this, but acknowledge that, you know, he's tired. And remember, okay. under Nate's recommendation, when he gets home, he's going to be like, hey, why is this couch outside? Has it been out there all day? <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for the recommendations. Yeah, I'll be, you know, I guess I'll, it's, I mean, it wouldn't be too bad if I drag, pushed them around here and there. I mean, I'm, it's not in my nature to do so. So, I mean, maybe if he sees that, he'll be like, wow, this must be really important for me to do. And that'll encourage him. And push them to do it so yeah <laughs> I, I don't think any push to so uh you're roboting ceo uh michael do you have uh lots of mold issues in the great north uh that's a super odd question um <laughs> not that what we do I'm, not that i'm aware of i, I mean it, it's weird so uh, I mean, we don't sit on, you know, we, you know, we don't sit on a body of water, you know, I'm not sure whether you're on the Gulf side or the ocean side, but, um, you know, we don't sit on a body of, or near a body of water quite as big as you do, but we do have Lake Ontario, which is a absolutely gigantic lake. Um, and it really does have the ability to affect our weather. We don't get, you know, again, hurricanes and, and stuff like you do, but, um, we do get, uh, like in the summer, it gets stupid humid like we'll commonly have you know a relative humidity of more than 90 percent during the summertime um 
So and and temperatures like commonly will exceed 100 degrees. Funny enough, um, it's not mind mold issues. Um, <laughs> and Yvette, um, you see Zernier, whatever the name was, um, says apparently a bleach base is the only thing that will kill mold. So uh, you know, by the way, the official position of Ask Christians: we do not give uh, medical or disinfecting advice. But you may want to Google that and see if a like certain parts water, certain parts bleach concoction is what you need to kill your mold. Yeah, Gia, I just read Gia's comment. She was recommending me a product, and I, I'm about to order that right now because I was actually, I already got on Amazon after I read it because I was like, what? Because I don't know if I can use bleach since, um, well, it's it's a beige sofa and it's going to discolor it. it. Even though it's in between the sofa where it's not visible, um, I don't know if the bleach can spread on top and, and, um, whiten it and destroy it, you know, completely like the sofa. <laughs> so, uh, I'm hesitant to, for that rare reason, I'm hesitant to use bleach since I, I another reason, cause this, the sectional sofa is not that old. It's like three years old. So, I mean, for me, that's not old at least. Well, <laughs> So Russ, how's your day uh, going? Uh, it's going good, man. Um, I put it in my two weeks notice Monday. Oh, uh, is that good? It's good. Yeah, I'm uh, going into full time ministry. I've been a bivocational pastor for six years. Oh, cool. So you got a job lined out and everything? Yeah, yeah. I just uh, accepted the position at a a church about an hour from where I live. And uh, it's a full-time position, so I'm I'm excited. We got a lot to do. Um, six kids, a lot of stuff to pack. Oh, how uh, far are you moving? Uh, about an hour away. They're, they have a parsonage, so it's a. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Well, awesome. Good luck. Let us know how, how it goes. Congratulations. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, thanks, man. Um, oh, as far as the, I thought uh, the mold is only on the couch. Is that right? It's in between, because uh, I have a sectional sofa, so it's in between each couch. If you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. We uh, we have <laughs> we have mold in our attic where we live now, um, but we rent, and we could never get the the landlord to fix it. I guess they don't. Uh, there's certain things that they don't. That they don't have to fix. Uh, and there's the law. Yeah, laws in Louisiana. Uh, they don't have to fix it. And uh, we went and got a free estimate and everything. Had somebody come out, go into the attic, test it, all that stuff. Oh gosh, well, would it be the right, the right good tenant thing to do since you had to pay to get the get the mold removed since you're leaving to uh, you know put the mold back and leave it as as it was when you found it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> the official position of asking Christians do not infest your house with mold. But um, I mean, you yeah. know, in the interest of leaving it how you found it. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know how they could. I don't know how a law can protect the the That's homeowner crazy. from having to fix that. Yeah. Hey, Joanna, welcome. Thank you, and good morning. Good morning, good morning. Joanna. Hello, CEO. He knows I'm very fond of him. Uh, so, uh, who was the person going into full-time ministry? Is that Russ? Russ down there, or up yeah. there. 
So may I ask, do they give, does anyone give you a curriculum for your sermons? No. Um, I'm sure there may be some churches and some denominations that do that, but no, I've never, I've never been at, so, been to a church or have preached at a church that was like that. Okay. How are you planning? Oh, I think it's exciting. How are you planning on, you know, making your topics? Um, I really just pray and uh, God always lays something on my heart that I become passionate about throughout the week. <clears throat> cool. Well, um, I teach Bible study my whole life. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's interesting. I just, uh, I'm not, I don't like to give people suggestions unless they ask, but um, I, yeah, I'd love, let me, if I could follow you, uh, oh, LaFleur, that's so funny because I'm a big Lost fan and Sawyer changed his name to LaFleur when he went <laughs> into the future, if you remember. <laughs> yeah, I watched that. So, yeah, so there's so many things, but yeah, praying first and then, uh, there's so many things. I did a, a Bible study on angels one time. Uh, the different angels and the different stories, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, I'd love to uh, talk to you again. Um, I, Mr. Michael, you're in, right? Oh, you're getting pretty choppy. I, I was able to decipher that. Oh, oh, and they left. Oh, now he's back. Okay. Uh, uh, I was able to decipher what you said. Yes, I'm an atheist. No, I asked if you were in psychology. Oh, pardon me. Wow. Ah. I, I, yeah, um, yeah. I'm, I'm a, I'm a social worker. Yes. Oh, okay. Got, it. got it. I thought you were a psychologist. Never mind. My question oh is no, no, I'm never no. mind. No, no, no. I'm not a psychologist. Can I just the say? Position can, of, yeah. yeah. The, the official position of Michael is to seek professional help. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, can I pay you for your time? I need you. Um, I, I'm, 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 I'm here free. But yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. You can ask me okay. questions. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, even if you're not Christian, like I'm no longer Christian, but it's nice to use the Bible for like Bible studies, such as like, what is, what is wisdom? What uh, grace? What are those type of adjectives and how can you, you know, formulate them into your daily life? Uh, that's cool. Hi, my name's Lilo. Hi, how are you? I'm good. What's up? The sky. I lied, I'm Jake. What's on your mind? <clears throat> so I'm on um, Muslim Clubhouse. Have you been like on the, those sides, the Muslim club? Um... Uh, no, I usually just talk to them when they come to me. Uh, okay, fair enough. I, I've no, been over there. Always... You can what? He's been over there. Have you heard the question, how can God be a um, I'm sure I've heard it at some point. Um, is well, you go ahead and just tell me. Yeah, I just wanted to know what you what you would say to that question. I'd say that Jesus and I don't like. Often I wonder. I want to give people the benefit of the doubt, but sometimes I'm just yeah. wonder if it's like not the most honest intent. But in the Christian understanding, assuming someone has the purest of intent, Christians believe Jesus has always existed because Jesus is God. So he's co-equal, co-eternal with, with the Father, with the Holy Spirit. They're, they're all three persons, yet one God. So it's not like Jesus only existed when he, be, when he came to earth as a little baby. Right. Jesus, the person, has always existed. Um, we're told in Christianity, you know, we believe the Bible, 
that everything was created through Jesus and Jesus sustains everything. So if there was no Jesus at any point, nothing would exist that exists. So we wouldn't be having this conversation. So the fact that whenever, you know, 2000 something years ago, when Jesus comes to earth uh, in human form as a baby, that's not a problem at all because, you know, it's not like Jesus just existed. So that's, that's what we believe. So Jesus being a human is, is not a problem. Uh, a baby, an old adult, middle-aged man, teenager, yeah. none of that's an issue. So are you saying that Jesus is, is the father? No. So how did he always exist? How I just said. Like in Colossians, you know, the Bible says Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. So um, Was Jesus created yeah. or not? Well, no, I just said Jesus wasn't created. So Jesus wasn't created. In, he has always existed. The Father, please. Hang on. The Father, Son, and Spirit have always existed. If you look at Genesis, like Genesis one, the first page of the Bible, and if you have a small Bible, it may be page two, but you see in the very beginning it says, you know, God, uh, you know, created the heavens and the earth, and it says the Spirit was hovering over the face of the deep. Right there is the Holy Spirit, and then you have the voice of the Father, you know. Uh, doing everything you have the father doing everything he says let us make man in our image he's got to be talking to someone so there's different theories like god's talking to angels god talking to some divine counsel but i think jesus is right there when he says let us make man in our image that's the image of jesus so when humans are created and jesus shows up he looks like us and we look like him it just makes sense that in page one or two of the very beginning of the bible you see the father jesus and the holy spirit all represented there he literally just said, let's make man, meaning he, he was created. The flesh no. created was it. The father says to Jesus, let us, the father and Jesus, make man, humanity, humankind, in our, the father and Jesus, image. Was Jesus created, meaning his flesh? The flesh that died on the cross, was that created? Sure, the molecules, like the same chemical makeup, the biology that makes us, yeah, the flesh which is also why Jesus had to become a human so he can live as a perfect human. So yeah, if we're talking about like the, the chemical makeup, the biological makeup, I mean, well, first of all, how people would say we're stardust and we're eternal and cosmic in some secular nonsense way, you could say, no, that's always existed. So if you, depending how pedantic someone wants to be about it, that matter, the same matter you're made of has always existed. It's just changed form from stars to galaxies and eventually, you know, became whatever you are. So if we're talking in that sense, no, we all exist eternally. Um, but if we're, t- if we're talking less pedantic, then sure, the biology of Jesus was, was created in Mary's womb, just like, you know, other humans are created in their moms. And um, Lilo, it, I'm going to reverse the question on you. So it seems like you believe in God and that God would be all powerful. Um, do you have an issue believing God could humble himself yeah, and, and do. do what we're talking about? Yeah, right. But I like, like I, as in, as in he couldn't do it, like he doesn't have the power to do that. I just don't believe that's in God's nature to humble himself. Like okay, you said, so then, and then, wait, it wasn't finished what I said, and then die on a cross <clears throat> in front of people naked, embarrassed like that. I don't think that's a God that, I don't think that's my God. Okay, so then, like Philippians two six, how would you deal with this? Because it's not like a, a theory or interpretation. Like the Bible outright says it. So I mean, you can you can say, you can quote well, the Bible verse, but I don't follow the. Right, that's fine, and that can be your answer. Just like I didn't interrupt you, I would you know appreciate the same respect. 
So um, you did actually. Our bye. Well, I would like to keep talking to you. That's fine. That's fine. Gonna... I'm just saying, go on, just go on. So perhaps this would be where you would say, I totally agree with the Bible and I totally love the Bible, except the parts I disagree with. That's the part of the Bible that's corrupted. So you may want to say this is the part of the Bible that's corrupted. But Philippians 2, 6 says, you know, Jesus being completely equal with God in every way, equal with the Father, uh, didn't take advantage of this equality. Instead, he chose to humble himself, just like you, you know, say your God wouldn't do. And he took on the form of a servant. Um, so, I mean, that is the Bible. So that's not like interpretation like that. That says it. So, I mean, I guess you can't say the Bible doesn't say it. You just have to say, well, you don't believe the Bible or it's not your God or that part of the scripture is corrupted. Would you say something like that? I wouldn't even look at the Bible in the first place because you can't, you won't ever know which part is corrupted and which part isn't. So why even bother? Um, well, that's from you. But, mm, no, that's from history. We all know that it's been corrupted. We just don't know which parts have not been corrupted and which. Oh no, we don't. I think there's two billion Christians that would say there's no parts of the Bible that's corrupted. So, I mean, no, that's not true at all. I know Christians that say that it is corrupted and there's been things that have been left out, but um, they have faith. Define corrupted? Um, can you define the corrupted? Yeah, I can. The um, parts they wait. disagree with. Wait, 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 hold on. Huh? The parts you disagree with is the part I thought corrupted. we weren't interrupting each other. Is that, is that, that, did that rule just go out the window? Okay, thanks for playing. I don't like your contentiousness, um, which is crazy because I deal with way more contentious people than you. Um, so I don't know. Uh, maybe you can try it, it's bad. A minute. It, it's bad she was being intentionally contentious. That's what you didn't like. She wasn't in good. It is. I've talked to her before, and I think it started off similarly last time as if she thinks I don't remember. Um, maybe that's my pride getting in the way. Maybe I should be more humble and be like, yes, com I, I'm completely dumb. I don't remember I talked to you like three weeks ago. But it's like, have you been to Muslim rooms? I just had some questions. And then it turns out she's like a hardcore wannabe Muslim apologist. It's just a deceit. Funny enough, it's exactly the same thing Satan does. Um, so, you know, I, I talk to Muslims a lot who are like, you know, way harsher. They're like, I think you're going to, you know, go to whatever the Muslim version of hell is. I think you're totally wrong. I think your God's a lie. I'm like, okay, well, at least you're honest. We can have a conversation. So it's not like we, you know, I run from hard conversations. It's just the intentional, like, deceitfulness. I don't, I don't like that. Yeah, and I, 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 I would have liked talking to her. I seem, she seems very intelligent. Could have been a good conversation, but I agree with yeah, she was a little bit on the uh, edgy side. Um, I, I, I was I was going to chime in once and then I thought there wasn't much point. <laughs> but I, you know, my, I thought it was, you know, it's like, you know, it's like people say, you know, and, and I don't, you know, I, I don't take the, the Bible terribly seriously either. But, you know, n nor do I take a, a book that was written by, you know, an illiterate epileptic. Um, so, it, you know, oh, I, I wish mean, you could have said that. Six of one half dozen of another. Right. Um, so. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say, but I figured that would have made her go full rage, um, which could have been fun. But, yeah. Um, I, hey, I have, a, I have a Bible question. Uh, sure. So, um, just to preface this, and, and this is not, you know, because I think you guys know me well enough. I, I don't go for gotcha moments. I'm, I'm purely and sincerely interested in how you, what you think about this. So, to, to preface it a bit. Um, God, God can do what he wants to do. Yes. Yes. Okay. And if it's true that, um, like if, if the Bible is true from cover to cover, <clears throat> then like in Ephesians one, where it says, you know, everything is done for his purpose. You, you accept this? Sure. Okay. 
So in uh, in Second Peter three, when um, uh, the 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 uh, in this, the second letter, it's talking about uh, th- this is where it talks about you know days like a thousand years and stuff like that. Um, but going on, it it says that um, uh, the Lord, the God is slow. Uh, to keep his promise. I don't have it put in front of me. I'm just kind of doing this from memory. I was thinking about it yesterday. God is not slow in keeping his promise, but he's giving basically giving people time because he's not willing that any should perish. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So in in that, and, and again, I'm not, I'm not trying to be pedantic either, but it like if, if that verse is true, so God is not wanting that any should perish, then why do any perish if he doesn't want it? Because it's not to the point of forcing people. You would get a very different answer from Chris. But what I believe is God's, you know, I mean, well, you, the answer you get from Chris is the different wills. You know, there's God's like the creative will, his permissive will, and then whatever the other will Chris would say is. Um, yeah, yeah. But, I'm that, familiar that's, with both answers, yeah. but I mean, that's the answer. And I agree with that. Like, I believe that. Like, you know, God doesn't want, but to the point of forcing, to the point of commanding, uh, clearly not. So like the things in Revelation, you see the creative will where it's like, you know, God doesn't, uh, want sin to last forever therefore god decrees it will not and you know revelation has something to say about how that's going to end out so that would be like god's decretive will he's like okay i will let it go this far and then no more versus you know this other one he's like look i'm not wanting anyone to perish but if you choose to go away from me then so be it right yeah and and so yeah i i uh, as i've done in the past i accept your answer it's not terribly um, satisfying, for lack of a, of a better term, because what it what kind of does to me is it kind of smacks of you know that kind of old saying, you know, like you know with a um, uh, you know with a with a father, you know, administering corporal you know uh, punishment on on their child, for example, <clears throat> and saying something like this is going to hurt you more than it does me. And it's like no, it won't. Um, you know, like, I mean, unless, you know, you know, unless well, uh, their hand is, you know. Hey, can I, can I tell so you? So I, I have, I, I just want to time it for one second. So, so Michael, there's a. Wait, hang on. Actually. Michael, were you done talking? Not quite. Yeah, uh, finish, Michael, please. Um, yeah. So th- that's like, so I accept the answer, but it, but it, it just seems to me because, you know, and, and Nate, you said this to me many times before, you know, take a plain reading of the text, right? Which is, which is what I've tried to do. And that's why I, why what you said, I accept as an answer. But from my perspective, it from my perspective, it still falls short. And 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 now I'm finished. And I'm very curious to hear what other people have to say. Yeah. Um. So um, so Michael, there's a book <laughs> I would recommend you you read. Uh, I think you'd like it a lot for how analytical you are. It's by Scott Schaefer. It's called Freedom from Religious Oppression, and he talks about the um, every verse method of the Bible. So basically, like not to look at one cherry picked verse and just hone in on that but to look at every other verse related to the topic and then weigh it. So he kind of like approaches it from how the, how the Supreme court interprets law, right? Like, so how do you, how do you cross reference things on a specific topic and weigh a conclusion? So the example he uses in the book is around alcohol, right? Because there are certain um, 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 scriptures in the old Testament, you could read it. And if that's all you read, you might think alcohol is bad in general. Right. But then if you look at every verse in the Bible, you can understand the context, but don't get, that's a recommendation. Yeah, and Edwin, yeah. you wanted to say say yeah. something? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just very briefly, but, uh, that passage in in Second Peter three nine, it helps to just read it in its entirety, 
Uh, it says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. As some mount, men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us word. The us word is not the whole world. The us word are other believers. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. This passage is not referring to God being long-suffering to the entire world, every human being. He's, the us word is referring to believers. Or God's elect. That's how. What's one view anyway? Yeah, yeah, and, and it's funny because I've because I've heard that before. I heard um, actually I engaged with uh, Matt Slick uh, about something similar to this, not exactly this, but similar to this um, some time ago. And, and yeah, and Nate he does he does the whole you know decretive will, permissive will, and I and I forget the other one too. Um, but there there are kind of the 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 three of them, and and it is it is interesting, right? But you know it's like, and uh, I agree with what CEO said in that you know I. I don't like people that cherry pick either, right? And I, I am there. One of the one of the Christians' examples of cherry picking, not not exactly cherry picking, because kind of like a rhapsody on a theme. But um, I'll, there are some Christians, I would say, kind of bad faith actors who will say, you know, atheists believe X, and it's like I look at that as disingenuously as taking a single verse in the Bible. So I agree, looking at things in context. Um, so I just wanted to add that, and and I think that it, I think uh, Ed, it's interesting what you said. And I think it falls in line with um, what uh, Chris, I think, who just joined, or maybe he left again. Uh, you know, would say from the, you know, from the, uh, you know, from a more from a more Calvinist perspective. But you know, it it's it it that provokes another question because I think you would all agree that, or maybe you wouldn't, that Jesus didn't come to, you know, like to to be the atonement sacrifice for some people. But for all that would come to repentance, for everyone, so not just the elect. Well, no? um, there's different ways to slice that. So essentially, the, the Calvinists and non-Calvinists, if you can stop them from starting a holy war, they, they would end on the same thing. But real quick, I, I wanted to say um, it's <laughs> – I, I just saw like – I think it was e-bike and someone, that Lilo Muslim person, were having – like she was coming hard uh, with all kinds of mis, you know misquotes and stuff from Christianity talking about morality. I just thought that was hilarious that, you know, someone from Islam is going to try to take a moral high ground against Christianity. That's a losing battle every time. Just wanted to <laughs> comment on that for the people that, for the people that aren't able to read chat, that's hilarious, but also sad because I think she really believes it. Um, the other thing is, yeah, let's just ask Chris since he's here and let's see if I did a good job of representing his answer. So Chris, uh, Peter, uh, I think it was, you said three, Michael, I think it's like either one or two. But somewhere in Peter, the one, the part where he talks about, you know, the Lord's not slow in fulfilling his promise, but he's not, he's not wanting anyone to perish, um, but all to come to repentance. I just Michael's looked it question, up. It is, it is, it's like three, seven through nine or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Three, nine. Um, I can admit when I'm wrong. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so Michael's question was, well, you know, if God gets everything he wants, then why doesn't he get that? And I gave an answer that I thought Chris would give. So would you actually like to answer? And let's uh, see how I did channeling my inner Chris. If you don't answer right now, I didn't get to hear your answer, but the answer I would give is that God has desires that do not necessarily get instantiated in his decretive will. Huh. I'm going to say this close enough to what I said. So he doesn't Wait. get what he wants. Nope. And, and again, and again, I think, you, I think you guys know me. Like, I'm not trying to be arguing. I'm not saying but, that. But, that. but that's yeah. what I heard by what he said. Wait. Right. God does not always get everything he desires because he does not, for his own good purpose, instantiate it in his will. 
It's just, you know, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I've wanted to gather you as a hen gathers chicks. Right. So that's the same same thing I said. So like if God, if God wanted it to the point of like demanding it, then yeah. So, so that's the thing. It's not like God doesn't get what he wants because he's like powerless to, it's because he's not exercising, you know, dominance on this. He's not exercising his sovereign right to, you know, uh, instantiate well, all of that in his decretive will for whatever reason and purpose he has. It doesn't necessarily denote libertarian free will as the reason for that. I would argue with that, but I would say that, you know, and I've just recently understood this. Okay, so reading Frame's Systematic Theology was kind of an eye-opener in terms of God's decretive will oh, goodness, and God's awesome. desires. Sorry. But Chris... Chris, the, the passage in, in 3.9, God is long-suffering to usward. Who do you think the usward is in context? That not, not, not any should perish. Who is the usward? So, so the argument – so look, the argument goes two ways, right? The first way is that there's the, the Calvinist argument that I don't think is necessarily honest enough with the text that says that you know God is writing to his people and he's saying in, in 1 Peter 3.9 that you know, he wants all of the elect – to come to repentance, you know, and that, you know, he's waiting for that. That's one way of reading the text. I don't necessarily think that's wrong. I think that it may be not awesome contextually. I think that the, um, I think that the more complex and nuanced answer is that God in his decretive will, um, has desires that he does not, then put into his decrees. No, he, was, you know. he has competing wants. Like, yes, want all, um, you know, follow him and come to him and love him and all that. But he also wants us to be free. Like, he doesn't want to force us to uh, worship him. He wants us to. Right. Well, I mean, so nobody, Michael, nobody <clears throat> says that God is making robots. Like, that's a that's a straw man of Calvinism. Calvinism does not teach that. What Calvinism teaches is compatibilism, like I'm sure Nate has explained, that our desires and our, um, you know, choices that we make here are simply compatible with the sovereign choices that God has already made. And so even if God is not already Oh, good Lord, that's loud. Sorry. (laughs) What are these people doing to your house? Uh, But Michael, to your second question, um, which kind of is what we're talking about, is – you were saying it would be a difference in Calvinism and, and not, and I was saying both sides would end at the same place. So like the whole whosoever, I think you threw it out there, the whosoever thing, it's um, it's not just elect and not. So like, you know, I believe whosoever, right? So whosoever will call on the name of Jesus will be saved, like even you. So if someone says, you're not elect, Michael, too bad. Well, if you're like, well, no, I, I believe this. Like in my heart, like something happened. Like I prayed to God and God answered, you know, I believe Jesus. So um, now I I'm one of the whosoever people. Well, Calvinists would just say, oh, well, that means you're elect. So it's just a difference of terminology. And if you can stop people from, like, jumping down each other's throats fast enough to explain that, the, like, free will people will be like, oh, you freely chose. You're one of the whosoever will people. Congratulations. You've came to Christ. And the Calvinists will just be like, well, well, no, if they came to Christ, that means they're elect. So the, the words can be interchangeable. Like, they elicit visceral responses, but both sides end up on the same spot. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. the, the yeah. whosoever's. The way Calvinists look at it, the whosoever's will, they're the elect. Yeah, and yeah, and if I yeah, I I think I may have uh, um, uh, put too much emphasis on one side because I think yeah, like I so so when I was a Christian, I believe like I believe that meant 
anybody, right? So basically, you know, whether it's a person, you know, a lifelong lifelong believer or somebody, you know, a week before they get hit by a bus, whatever. Um, so yeah, I, I, I believed, I believed that too. And, and yeah, I certainly wasn't, and, you know, I think as, as you, as you know, I wasn't trying to, you know, throw a grenade in the room and, and start, uh, start disagreement, but it, but it is, it is interesting sometimes to listen to some of the, some of the differences. And yeah, <clears throat> I agree that if, if when you break it down to the lowest common denominator of what it means to be a, you know, Christian following the teachings of Jesus, believing the gospel, that kind of thing. Then yeah, my certainly my hope would be that that you could you know that everyone who wears that mantle of Christianity could could fall to that same belief. Otherwise, you, you know, you guys got bigger problems. Well, I mean, I think right now, like, I mean, if if you heard differences, like, I, I mean, I I didn't. I mean, unless someone wants to say, you know, they they disagree with everything I said. Like, I think, I mean, I don't even know like exactly what side everyone's on, but I mean, I I think everyone, by the lack of people, you know, interrupting, um, are at peace with that. So I mean, yeah. I, I don't think there were any differences on. It. I think we all agree, even through like gritted teeth. Yeah, no, no. So I no. So I think what I meant by that, and again, um, maybe too early in the morning, or <laughs> or or not, or or not focused enough to to clearly get my thoughts across. Not here, but but other conversations. Uh, yes, that I, yes. That I have had. Yeah. Other I mean, after after Lilo, nothing you do here is going to be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, she. Yeah, it was. It was too bad that she was so. Um, I know I've talked to her before. Like antagonistic. <laughs> it's like three weeks ago. It was the same shtick. It's like, hey, I, I, you know, just have some questions. Have you been in Muslim rooms? Like, I'm not. Like, I'm not really, you know, Muslim. I'm kind of on the fence. I'm questioning things. And like in ten minutes' time, she's like, die-hard Muslim apologist. Like, you Christians are stupid. And like misquoting everything in our Bible. I'm like, okay. And it's like, how do I know if you just have like, you know, mental issues? I can't diagnose that. Or if you're practicing Takia, which is, you know, deception. And uh, if if you find that it's not working and people have had these conversations a time or two and aren't, you know, beguiled by your nonsense, then you turn nasty. Anyway. Uh, my mom used to say, it takes all kinds to make the world go round. <laughs> Maybe the world should just stop. If the world stops, would you want to be on the hot side or the cold side? It wouldn't matter. We'd all be flung into space at a thousand miles an hour. <laughs> um, hang on. We we would still have enough gravity probably to keep us on there. It wouldn't require the rotation, right? Because, I mean, if we were on, like, one of the dwarf planets with no atmosphere, we probably still wouldn't be flung into space. I don't actually know the answer to that. Does anyone? Mm, I, I Well, I'm, I'm not a... I'm not a scientists i only play one on tv sometimes but my understanding is you know that the the earth at its equator spins at a you know like a thousand and fifty miles an hour um and that you know a, a stop in rotation would be you know oh you mean like if it instantly stopped yeah instantly catastrophic okay yeah. okay got it you like measure it by miles per hour it should be like rotations per minute or something or like rpm not yeah i mean i guess that that would matter like you know does it stop all at once or does it you know gradually slow down yeah, if it stopped all at once, then, like, we would all die, probably. I don't know if we'd go to space, but we'd definitely die. I don't want to test the... I thought it was... <laughs> all right. You know, there was, like, a Hebrew Israelite and, like, another Muslim up here. I, I guess... I don't know. I mean, I, I hate, like, you know, dropping people so quick. Because um, then everyone runs off, and it's just the usual suspects. Chris scared them all. But, um... Just the presence of Chris... <laughs> Um, I had a question. I, I got kicked from a room earlier. 
I don't know if this will get you kicked, but um, <laughs> oh boy, this Muslim was talking to a Christian named Albi, and he was saying like, he asked him like, do you think the Trinity is illogical or logical? And the Christian like wouldn't answer the question. Like he kind of danced around and never answered the question. And so I confronted him. I'm like, man, you kind of like it's cowardly. Like you're representing Jesus, and you make him look like a pussy when you don't answer the question. And then he just like kind of he said, "Oh, I shouldn't talk like that." And then he kicked me off the stage or something like that. But like, this was well, was Al B Al. Yeah. Wow, that's that's super weird. I've I've recently had a couple of of pretty interesting conversations with him, and actually he asked me, and Josh is in the Josh. Hey, Josh, I did reach out to him again about how about the the three of us having a conversation. He's totally into it. Um, th- that sounds super weird because when, when every like I said, the couple of conversations that I've had with Albie, he's been like. He's been like pretty, pretty hardcore. I have a hard time understanding why he would, well, why he wouldn't do that. Well, I mean, maybe he was. Well, my thought to answer your question is, you know, first of all, if someone jumped on stage and called me something like that, or told me I was doing something like that, I'd probably drop him too. Um, <laughs> but um, uh, I mean, I've talked to him a, a little bit, and like I've, I've listened to him more than I've conversed with him. But I mean, yeah, it seems like Michael's assessment, like he, he brings it pretty hard. So I mean, maybe, maybe he's just trying to get to a different point or. You thought he was being one way when, I don't know, he was working to something else. Like, I would like to give him the benefit of the doubt and as much as I've heard him. But um, you know, it, also, the last point is it shouldn't make Jesus look a certain kind of bad way because a Christian may not have a perfect answer or one that satisfies everyone or they feel like they're being too easy or tiptoeing. That should make that person look like they may maybe need to read a book. Uh, unfortunately, if you're dealing with dishonest people, yeah, they're going to think Jesus looks that way. And that's, you know, their problem, not the Christian, you know, apologist or whatever. Um, but yeah, that just is what it is. I mean, we would like to all be like, you know, triumphant and owning everyone, um, you know, for the glory of God. But if we did that, then they just think we looked like a bunch of pretentious jerks. And if people want to find a problem with God, they're going to find a problem with God. Like Lilo. You know what's kind <laughs> of funny is like he was, he initially said like, oh, don't kick him off the stage. And then I, he tried to admonish me and say, like, oh, you shouldn't be offensive or whatever. Because based on the Bible, oh, Christians aren't supposed to talk like that. Kind of what he was saying. And well, I, brought, I mean, it's biblical. Oh, I brought up John six sixty one, where uh, Jesus, like, offended a whole group of people. And Jesus did, like, name call Pharisees and he name called uh, King Herod. So when I brought up John six sixty one, and it kind of, like, he couldn't really argue with me biblically or something then he just kicked me after that that was kind of funny well so i mean you know we can i mean again i don't really have a dog in this fight i'm just trying to call him how i see him so i'd say you know you reconcile that with the verse that talks about uh there's there's name calling versus offensive so like if you're offensive you know like if someone says look if you get put in prison i think it was somewhere in peter he says look if you get put, put in prison make sure it's because you're actually like following christ and that's why you're being put in prison because if you get put in prison for doing something you, is a crime well, you know, you're not getting anything from that. You deserve to be there. He's like, so, you know, if you if you get insulted, if you get murdered, if you get put in prison, make sure it's, you know, because you're actually, it's for the God's glory um, when you're innocent and being persecuted, not because something legitimate. So if, if you offend someone by saying, hey, look, Jesus is the way to heaven. If you don't do this, you're going to be burning in hell forever. Please don't be that person. Uh, repent and believe the gospel. And if people are offended because of that, well, then, sorry, that's just our conviction. But if they're convicted because you're like, hey, you're stupid, blah, 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 and like throw out ad hominems. Well, they're not offended because of God. They're offended because, you know, you're that person is being a jerk. Um, but then, you know, the, you reconcile the, the name calling, right, which I don't think that that word, uh, I don't know what the 
the Bible times equivalent of that would be, but I'm sure Jesus wasn't doing that. He said things like, you know, your father is the devil and uh, whitewashed tombs. Um, so, uh, you know, there's a, is it Paul who's talking? He says, look, let, when people talk about whether or not cursing is a sin, well, the Bible goes as far as to say, like, you know, don't even let any corrupt or unclean communication proceed from your mouth. So that's like an incredibly high bar. I mean, that's, that's like the conversational equivalent of, um, you know, if you even look on a woman with lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. So that's like, well, instead of cursing, forget that. Don't even let something that's not helpful come out of your mouth. So that's like the sticks and stones type thing. It's like, or no, it's like if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. That's like extra elevated. But, I mean, you know, no one's going to live up to that perfectly. We're all fallen. But, you know, that's kind of like the biblical principle, right? So I'd say if you're offensive for Christ um, and they don't like that because, you know, they the, the cross offends them, then that's too bad. They got to find, find a way to deal with that. Um, if someone's offending them because they're an offensive person, like calling them names or ad homs or something like that, well, then, you know, maybe work on that. Um, anyways, that's my contribution. That's, you know, I, I, I just want to go on record saying I've been perfect at that whole thing for as long as anybody's known me, right, Nate? If I say 100%, will I be a liar or will people recognize that's a joke? <laughs> 100%, Chris. <laughs> Yes, I, we often fail in this very room, so I'm, I'm preaching to us, myself, as, as much as anyone else, but definitely Chris. <clears throat> I've sarcasm gotten better. I've gotten better. Well, Evike, what do you think about that? Like, on one hand, like, you know, be offensive for the cross of Christ, but, um, you know, the whole un, don't let any unclean communication come forth from your mouth. Like, what do you think about that one? Um, I think you're being a little too strict because, like... Uh, Could be. Like, I, I agree that... You could, like, you could uh, say an insulting, offensive, curse words. It could be a sin, but also, like, it could not be. Like, I th in some cases, it's needed, I think. Like, um, I don't know. Like, if if, I, if someone, if there was a woman and, and I just started calling her a prostitute and she's not a prostitute, like, that might be bad. But if there's a woman who's, like, a prostitute and I'm like, hey, you should stop prostituting, um, that's, like, I'm not... I don't think I'm that's on your side. That sounds reasonable. Okay. Yeah. And, and to be clear, like, I, I don't, um, I would want to read the context. I, I mean, I don't believe it's like, um, you would read into it to say that it's a sin to just let anything un like not helpful come out of your mouth. Um, I don't believe it. It calls it a sin or it definitely doesn't say like these people won't inherit the kingdom of God. Uh, it's just like, Hey, don't do this. So, I mean, you like, could say it's a Romans 14. Like if your heart convicts you by calling a non-prostitute a prostitute, well, then that's a sin because you're not following your own conscience. Because, um, like, I think curse words can be edifying. Like, um, when Jesus called the Pharisees a den of vipers or something. Like, that could be considered in modern language, like, you know, calling them assholes or something, right? I well, would not draw that equivalency. Um, so, I'm, I mean, I'm just going to well, say, like, yeah. E-Bike e wants to justify his cursing, which he's quite good at, by the way. I've, I've heard him in some rooms. Thank you. But yeah, I mean, I, I would, for, for me, my own conviction is there's, there's really no justifying like, you know, and, and it, it, I mean, it ebbs and flows, right? Because different cultures, different times, but anyways, the culture I live in, the, the vocabulary I have, I would say what we commonly refer to as curse words. Um, I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to say for me, uh, that's, that's something I should not be doing or saying. Again, if I stub my toe at 3am, you're going to hear a lot of those things. 
doesn't mean I, I, you know, follow what I believe I should perfectly. I'm still a human. But if you're like, on paper, should you say these words? I'm like, no, I, I don't feel good about this. I don't feel convicted. For me, it would be a sin to say these because, you know, I feel convicted in my heart that I should not. Uh, however, if I stub my toe or something, you know, bad or shocking happens, I may let one of these things fly, uh, maybe several of them. It doesn't mean it's good or right. It just means I'm a human and, you know, I'm working on that. I had a conversation with... Uh... <clears throat> Does anybody know who uh, Andrew Rappaport is? Uh, I think he, I've heard he, the name. I do. No, I don't. Yeah, he runs a YouTube channel called Striving for Eternity, um, and uh, he, he and I get on pretty well. I've I've been on his show a couple of times, and um, he he came on the podcast. He was gracious enough to come, you know, to return the favor and come on the podcast, much like Nate was. Um, but anyway. So we were talking about that and, and we, we brought up because one of the things I, I said to him was, you know, that I would, you know, that I would keep this episode clean, right? Much like I always try to behave here, right? But if you go and listen to some of our podcast episodes, <laughs> you know, lock the kids up. Um, but I don't look at it as, I, I, and I, this is just a different stance, right? Different strokes for different folks. Um, I, think, I think sometimes, you know, like just, just spewing profanity for no reason uh, yeah, I don't, I don't see much, much use in that, but there are times when, when I actually find it, uh, useful to, to, to get a point across, right. To convey a sense of like, they can be used, you know, as adjectives, right. To, to, to convey, um, a sense of, I, I, frustration to get, you know, to get you cross a little bit better and 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 what i said to him was he's like you know why do you use them you know and, and i said look like to me like they're just words right I, I don't think you should be you know going down the road you know with your you know rag top down you know blasting the f-bomb you know and the c-bomb all the time but used used uh used accordingly i think they can be effective and then, I, you know, and I, I've heard, you know, like I've heard the studies, like, you know, it can be cathartic, it can lower stress. And, you know, it's like I remember in high school and I was trying to look for justifications for, like, smoking as a teenager. Um, and it, religion really didn't play a part because, I mean, I believed in God and stuff, but I wasn't really serious. So, like, that was kind of a second thought. Um, but as far as, like, smoking, I and, you know, someone uh, is like a teacher, a math teacher, because um, I think they were a smoker, too. And someone's like, why do you do that? It's filthy. And they're like, actually, studies show that it can improve short-term memory. And I'm like, yeah, so I can smoke because it improves short-term memory. I'm like, I, I'm just justifying it. I mean, years later, I'm like, yeah, that was dumb. Like, short-term memory, congratulations. Um, because I, I guess you won't live as long, so short-term memory is – anyway. But, uh, uh, yeah, and, you know, even from the Christian standpoint, like, uh, you know, where they would say there's a difference in you, you, morality between Christians and atheists – and, you know, we've got the big ones covered, right? But usually, like, the little ones where, like, you know, Christians are like, we're just as moral as uh, you, you, or you atheists. The atheists will be like, we're just as moral as you Christians, blah, blah, blah. On the big ones, sure. Like, you know, lying, cheating, stealing. But most of the atheists, you know, I think you too, would be like, okay, fine. If you want to say you have elevated morality because of cursing, when, like, as an atheist, like, I'm not going to challenge that. I'll just give it to you because I don't think cursing is bad anyway. Or, like, you know, consensual sex, you know, outside of marriage. Like, you know, so there's a lot of things, like, atheists wouldn't challenge or be offended by. But, no, if you want to say you have elevated morality on stuff like that, then by, by more rules, then sure. Because we, we don't see that as bad. So, I mean, that, that's usually, they'll just give it to you. Um, but I say, so, you know, as far as, like, cursing and the way you present yourself, um, if for no other reason than the, than the words, like, one way you're deeper is, you know, the, the kind of witness you're showing, the kind of character or quality you're showing. Um, not necessarily, like, 
you know, a preacher in a three-piece suit and tie beating his Bible up and down the road, but, you know, just like a decent person who, who is a little different, or some may say peculiar, it's like, well, why aren't you, you know, doing everything that the rest of the people in the world do? Why aren't you talking like that? And if for no other reason, to be like, oh, because, you know, I believe this, and, you know, I think Christ, uh, you know, has a different goal for me, and I shouldn't be talking like this. So, I mean, it's not just the fact that the words or the emotion someone's conveying, like, it could go quite a bit deeper than that. Um, anyway, just another way to look at it. This is something I actually struggle with a lot, because, like, I, th- I feel like as a Christian, we should be our own worst critic. Like, we, we should judge ourselves more harshly than we judge others. And And so when I, like, rebuke someone... I kind of like, I, I question myself a lot. Like, did I go too far? Maybe I shouldn't have said this, you know? So I don't know. It's something I've always like struggled with. You know, I mean, if it helps, I may be your counterpart. Cause sometimes I think maybe I don't go far enough. Like usually I'd be like, well, Hey, look, um, like I'm not, a bit, I'm not a big yeller and screamer. So uh, maybe it doesn't come off as sincere, but um, you know, I, I'm like, look, I, this is the, this is the issue. Um, this is what I think the right answer is. Um, what do you think? And if they're like, well, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, they justify whatever they're doing. I'm like, okay, well, you know, I think this is wrong. And I think this is the right answer. I think you should think about this, but you know, your life is yours. Do what you want. Um, so, you know, it kind of avoids, so maybe I don't go far enough if you go too far. Um, I just kind of present my case, present what I think is the right outcome. And if they still disagree, I'm like, all right, well, live your life. Maybe it's like good that there's both types of people or something. Like some people need someone like you. Maybe some people need someone like me. Yeah, it, it is interesting and something you said, Nate, like if if, uh, you know, if if a believer of any faith tradition claims claims, a you know, a moral high ground over me over something like swearing, I'll be like, fine, you can have it. I don't care. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I actually don't. Th- I think it doesn't really it doesn't seem um, whether you're Christian or non-Christian or a non-believer. It seems like like the divorce rates are similar. Like, um I don't think believers are necessarily like better people or anything like that. Uh, well, there's two things you said there. So, so as far as divorce rates, that will be argued about from multiple angles. Um, just, just quickly, because I wanted to address the other part you said was, you know, it would be how many of these are, I hate that I'm doing this. How many of these are true? Like, you know, not, not just true Christians. I'm, I'm sure most of the Christians that get divorced are true Christians, but how many of them are truly following God's example of marriage? like the biblical outline, like just because they got married in a church, um, you know, with some pastor or something like that, and they're both happen to be Christians, doesn't necessarily mean they're following God's, you know, perfect example of what his idea of a marriage looks like. So I would say when you find people that are like, yes, here's their marital problems. We're both Christians. We're ardent uh, worshipers of God. We're followers of, the G- of Christ. Um, when we have marital problems, we, we go to, you know, we seek wisdom of a counselor or a pastor and we do it the biblical way. You know, uh, we look at Corinthians, we go through this, we use these Bible verses. I, I would think that the divorce rates among Christians who go the actual biblical route to deal with to deal with marriage, um, those divorce rates would be much smaller. Um, I don't have any studies to cite that. That's just kind of my hunch. I'm sure somebody studied it. Um, between just saying, like, you know, Christians who are married have similar divorce rates. Yeah, on paper, exactly. Um, but the ones that you find that, like, really follow the biblical prescription of marriage, like, um, how to do it right, what to do when it goes wrong, how to have conflict re- resolution based on the Bible. I think those would be much lower. Yeah, um, I'd agree with crap. I for- I agree with you on that one. Yeah, but like, didn't I, Jesus say not to get divorced like pretty explicitly? Yeah, except for like adultery, and then there's like abandonment. Like if someone just pieces out, and you're like, 
wow, well, I, I have no idea where they went. Like, maybe they're dead. Maybe they got ate by a shark. Like, I cannot find my spouse, um, well, which is a little, I, a little more. Huh? Uh, a lot of Christians don't follow that. As a, like, they'll, they'll just get divorced, by, like, on a whim. A lot, oh, exactly. And, and then you can add them to a huge pile of the 50% Christian divorce rate when the, it's like, well, um, why did you get divorced? And they're like, because he emotionally neglects me. Well, is that a biblical reason for divorce? No. And how does he emotionally neglect you? Um, you know, he only bought me 12 dozen roses instead of 13 dozen roses. Like, okay, well, well, did he commit adultery? No, no, no. He's there, uh, blah, blah, blah. But I, I is, you know, anyway, stuff like that. So it's like, well, if he didn't, you know, wasn't an adulterous person and he didn't abandon you or something like that, or he didn't die. Well, I mean, that wouldn't be divorce if he died. But um, yeah, so I mean, that would, that would be outside the biblical prescription for how marriage is to be done. So add it to that pile. Yeah, it, it might be just something to what uh, Ebike said a second ago, uh, people getting divorced, you know, kind of for any reason or for no reason at all. Um, that might be a little oversimplistic. And I don't necessarily I don't really think you meant it in that way. But like from a like so from so from a secular perspective, um, because because of the beliefs that I have and because of the beliefs I don't have. Right. Like like I am convinced that gods don't exist. Um, kind of some of the entailments of that is. I, I, I believe I've only got so many spins around the sun and then it's over and then there's nothing else. So one of the tenets that I've always tried to live by is that you, you should try to be as happy as you possibly can for as long as you possibly can. Leaving out, of course, the things like, well, what if it makes you happy to torture your little children? Of course, I don't mean that silly, that silly kind of stuff. But if you are with someone who is you know, not making you happy. Like this is supposed to be your life partner, right? And if that partner isn't making you happy, then yes, of course, you should try to fix things, right? I don't think, I don't think anyone, uh, yes, yeah, I don't believe anyone stands in front of a group of people with an officiant and says, I do or I will, whatever they happen to say, thinking, hoping, or contemplating that this isn't going to be a lifelong thing. But if you're not, but, but if you've tried those things and you're not happy, my personal thought is go and be happy either by yourself or with someone else. I, I'm very specifically saying like, don't, don't step out on the person. Like don't, don't commit adultery. Like don't do those types of things. You know, like end the commitment, sit down with your significant other and say, you know, we, we did this. We have tried this, this, and this. I am still not happy. I am leaving. This is very specifically what I did with my first marriage. I I gave I tried four times with two separate counselor things and then two other instances, you know, trying to do things better ourselves. And it was basically four strikes and you're out. And I sat my ex down and I said, this is what's going on. You know, we know it's not getting better. I am I am not happy at all. And I am no longer willing to be unhappy. I am leaving. And, and what I think once you do that, then you're free to go off and do whatever it is you're going to do. But, and, and again, that's just my personal stance. And I've, I'm sure that the official stance of Ask a Christian will be different. <laughs> and I, I, yeah, I mean, I think that we've, you know, we talked about the official, well, biblical stance, but I, I would say, you know, I just not directed to you, Michael, because you've probably done this. Um, I, I don't know anything about more than what you just said, but I would say, you know, free advice. Um, I'm just parroting. I'm not, I'm not a, a wedding, whatever, marriage guru. But uh, free advice, I will parrot, is, uh, you know, if someone doesn't make you happy, try to make them happy 
and then see if they end up making you happy. Um, again, not, not directed to you. I'm sure you've done that. Well, at least Michael seemed like he tried to work it out. Like a lot of people don't even try. Um, they'll just like, you know, it's, it's not working. This is difficult. And they just move on to the next thing or whatever. But I think like relationships are difficult. So it does take like hard work and like, you know, um, sometimes it's not always happy, but. Yeah, and there are certainly going to be, you know, seasons, right, you know, within your your time together with someone that aren't going to be easy, right? Uh, you know, it's not all rainbows and puppy dogs. It it, it never is. Um, but, you know, there I, I guess it I guess it depends on and it falls to, uh, you know, an incredibly subjective thing. Because you might go to like you might have a, a series of hard times like it's entirely possible that I could like I could sit here and share with you. Everything that I went through with my ex. And you might say, well, you know, you know, I, I, I'm still not sure whether or not, you know, I would have t thrown in the towel at that point. And, th and that's where it becomes entirely subjective, right? Be you know, because it has to be, you know, for you. Nate, I think what you said a second ago is brilliant. You know, try to make the other person happy. And then maybe they'll make you happy, you know, that hopefully that it would be infectious, right? In the best possible way. Um, and yeah, tried that. <laughs> Tried that, you know, <laughs> bought the T-shirt, didn't work. Um, so, but, but yeah, I, I think that it's, uh, you know, I think it's important. But I, I stand by the, you know, life is too short to not be happy. Yeah, and, and then the biblical, like, even though it's, you know, maybe like tough love or they're like, you don't know my pain, uh, something like that. You know, it, it's hard, you know, unless you're in the situation. But again, on paper, the answer is a lot easier than working things out. But on paper, it's like, well, I believe Nate's opinion of what the Bible says is look if it's not for one of these like you know egregious reasons for divorce then that's a commitment and this is your cross to bear so you're stuck uh whether no matter how you feel it's like uh, you know bible don't care about your feelings um, that's wrong it, it does uh, jesus cares but um that that's how i see it it's like well look even if someone your wife makes you miserable or your husband makes you miserable or is emotionally unavailable that's still a commitment you made so at this point you're not even don't even look at it as fulfilling the marriage for their benefit um, like if they've totally checked out and don't care, um, you, you know, you do your vows. You you made a commitment before God. I mean, again, if you don't believe in a God, not talking to you, but to the ones that believe in a God, then they make vows to God. So they're fulfilling their vows to God um, as well as their partner. So if their partner is like, well, don't care, then they're breaking their vows to you and God. So, you know, it may not be great for them. Um, but I would say that that's where I think the biblical answer is you're stuck. Just do the best you can. Just like the Bible says, like, you know, talking about non-believers, like, you know, go ahead and live peacefully if they want to stay with you live peacefully with them uh, share your you know show your christian faith and maybe they'll come around and i think we see you know lots of testimonies one way or another sometimes it didn't work sometimes it did how after this a while they're like look i was i was unattached i had stuff going on i didn't even like you anymore i actually hated you someone actually said they hated their wife at one point but they're like you know she just kept like you know doing being a good wife like you know taking care of me doing all of her commitments and stuff and he's like after so long of that, he like, you know, had a change of heart. And now I guess they're like a happily ever after a couple. So and that doesn't work out for everyone. But the point is, um, yeah, like Michael, I understand from your perspective. I really think the biblical one is, look, you're just stuck because you made a vow to God. So unless you want to break that, like two wrongs don't make a right. So um, just like people will say, like, you know, I was born gay and, you know, that's that's wrong. Well, I'm not in that situation, so I may not be as empathetic as you'd like, but that's your cross to bear. Um, I would love to, you know, for the Bible to condone uh, dating lots and lots of people and fornication to be a-okay. 
Um, that's that's my thing. I like women. Um, I like lots of women, but uh, I I'm married. I made vows to my wife and God, so I am a one wife man. So um, that that's my cross to bear. It's like, oh well, you know, I can't go, you know, like have a harem full of women. Um, I I just can't do that. So that's my cross to bear. So we all have our things that we have to deal with. Um, you know, for other people, it may not even be relationships. It may be like money, power, success over God or something like that. Didn't mean to preach again. Wow. You know how I'm going to preach? Every time I start talking, I'm like, hey, I'm not going to preach. <laughs> I, think, I think maybe we're all doing it this morning. Yeah, I, I, I don't think like I, I've, I've never done the infidelity thing. I've never stepped out um, uh, on, on my wife. I, I don't, yeah, I can't imagine being so shallow as to, you know, want to hurt somebody that much. But um, I think that uh, to what you say to, you know, kind of add a little bit of, of, of levity to the situation. It's like, I, you know, it's like, I'm happy, you know, with kind of, you know, like kind of one partner, because it's hard enough for me to make one person happy, let alone try to make a bunch of people happy. You know, I heard about a story about a marriage where the wife got like sick. And the husband, like, I guess wasn't happy with her being sick and dealing with all that. And he just like, pretty much left her as a result of her sickness. And um, yeah, that's on him. Like, that, that's just a dirtbag. That is yeah, in sickness and health. I'm pretty sure those are your vows too, Michael. Like, you know, do you do like the whole in sickness and health, all like Christian yeah, type vows, even though you're not a Christian? Yeah, I mean, yeah, something close to that. Like, it, I like mean, yeah, standard it, stuff. Yeah, like it, it was a pretty, yeah, like, yes, it was a definitively secular service, but there were, there, there was basically a rhapsody of that. Yeah, basically, you know, good times and bad, you know, blah, 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 yeah, that kind of stuff. And, and yeah, that's just a, that's just a gigantic, um, you know, enter expletive here. Uh, <laughs> that may be a time for your wordy you, bike. <laughs> um, it made me very upset to learn that story from uh, yeah. a friend. Yeah, it and it's it's interesting because um I I've heard the same I've heard the same thing from uh like I've had people that I would call friends, right? Um get, you know, get divorced over things like, you know, it's like and talk to them it's like, you know, what you know, what is it that, you know, what is it that caused, you know, the, the marriage to fall apart? And this was actually on a um from a from a, a woman this time. What the woman said was, well, you know, he just he let himself go. So, you know, I get, you know, I guess, and, and it was, this is another friend of mine, you know, who, who gained some weight and stuff like that, you know, throughout the, the course of the marriage. And, and, and that what now all, all I have is what she told me, but that's what she said was the reason for her to leave. And I, I wasn't able to reconcile that. And so I sat down with her. I said, I said, what would you have done if he would have been in a terrible accident and been like you know, had his legs amputated. You know, it's like if, if you're prepared to leave someone over the fact that, you know, they gain a little bit of weight, like it's probably the, I, what I said was, and we're no longer friends. I said, it's probably the best thing for him. Cause what if he would have been in some terrible accident? Like you would have dropped him like a hot potato. Dude, the worst one I saw, this wasn't anyone I know. It was like on a YouTube story, like a husband and wife went camping and there was a accident with the fire and it was the husband's fault. And the wife got her face like badly burned, so you know she was didn't look very nice after that, obviously. And he left her after he's the one who was responsible for the accident. It was like unbelievable. Uh, I was gonna say, Michael, to People what you to that situation that you're describing, it sounds like she was using um 
he let himself go as a euphemism for I found somebody else more attractive. Um, and you know what usually happens with poetic? Sorry, Michael. No worries. No, it, it could it, that that could be in some cases, but to the best of my knowledge, she's still single. What usually happens is poetic justice, and when they leave someone for someone for some vapid reason, it's usually them who end up getting left by the next person for an equally vapid reason. It's like God uses evil to destroy evil. It seems like things kind of do work out like that. Um, that's why it's like I, I never. There's no reason to seek revenge as a Christian, right? I'm like someone uh persecutes me or whatever like i just like oh well you're gonna get you know god will take care of you later on i don't have to worry about you it's kind of an, it's kind of relaxing you know <laughs> i don't have to well, see well that's true and it lets you take a breath of fresh air too like you know again the whole christian forgiveness thing it's like okay well look this person you know gave me a dirty look or you know they ended my marriage a little more weighty than a bad look or you know they did something egregious to me it's like okay well you know if if i'm getting you know, getting out, you know, getting this eternal life and forgiven for all the countless things I did against the sovereign God of the universe, then, you know, in light of that, it becomes much easier to, you know, forgive these other people uh, for being crappy humans. Um, you know, it's like whether or not they, they get what's coming to them, uh, you know, hopefully they, you know, repent and get their own forgiveness too. And it's like, well, look, it, it would be much better if all of us were forgiven on the right side of eternity. Um, and I can let my grievances go because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting something way, way more valuable out of this, this whole eternal life with my creator thing. Yeah. Like if God can forgive me for my sins and it's like, it's easy for me to forgive like concrete for something petty or something. right? That'd be dumb if I like hold little petty things, human things against people while like I have this great sin that God forgave of mine. Well, that's like the parable oh, Jesus tells, like of the, uh, of, of the, the uh, what was it, like the owner guy that had a, or the king or the rich man that had a servant. And it's like, you know, this, this guy, the servant uh, went and begged this king for this incredible forgiveness for this huge debt he had. And the king just forgave him or the rich man forgave him. And then uh, that very same servant went out and one of his workers like owed him a very small amount. And he was like, no, you will pay every last penny and like tried to have him like jailed and all this other stuff. And then the rich man heard about it, and the rich man was really mad. He's like, I forgave you this incredible debt, and you're, like, not forgiving this guy, like, a super small debt against you? Like, I mean, that's exactly what we're talking about. And it's like, geez, yeah, like, what a what a crummy person. Like, we, we don't want to be that guy. And unless we're, you know, we take care of our, take extra care to not be that guy, it's really easy to be that guy. Yeah, it is. So, so we, have to, we have to try not to be that guy. I'm not so sure about that. So here's an interesting thought experiment. So, so with everything, you know, all the, all the kumbaya that's been going on the last few minutes. Now, now think for a second. Would any, would any of you here behave differently if you knew for sure that there was no God? Uh, yeah. So if I absolutely knew, um, let's I'm sorry, this out. So you, if I, you, if would, I, you would behave differently? Well, hang on. I'm saying about okay. some things like, like the whole, uh, like the, um, you know, like the big ones, the things that, you know, well, I want to say like lying, cheating is stealing that this, this could get really deep. I'll try to keep it superficial because if, if there, if we knew there was no God, if there truly was no God, I want to say, I would still agree with you on the big thing. It's like no murder, no killing, no stealing, no cheating, stuff like that. But then I would say, well, if there was truly no God, we wouldn't instinctively 
have these values. Like there would no way, because that's my belief that, you know, even atheists can be good moral people because certain moral values are implanted in their heart. So if there truly was no God, um, you actually may not be that way. And I wouldn't be that way. So we may not even agree on the big three. Like we both may be like murdering, pillaging Mad Max road warriors. So anyways, that's, that's a deeper level. But on the surface, things like, you know, cursing or whatever, um, I probably wouldn't feel near as bad about that because there would be no one to feel near as bad about that too. I wouldn't feel like, you know, I'm following an example of a creator who didn't do these things. So I don't want to do these things because if there was no creator, I wouldn't, I would only have like my example to follow and like, you know, my peers to follow and, you know, other historical humans. So um, I, I may follow, I may follow someone's example who has an elevated, like no cursing policy. And I may think, well, they're a decent human. I, I may follow them. So I, I would say maybe, uh, but as far as the big ones on the surface, sure. I think we'll all agree on that, but on the deeper level, maybe there would be no morality and we all would have imploded the planet because there's no God to imprint this stuff on our hearts. So we all may have ended humanity. I know, I know. So it's, yeah. So it's funny. Cause what you call, and sorry, I'll just say this one quick thing and then I'll shut up. Um, we'll see what you call, you know, like, you know, God's moral law written on our hearts. You know, I, I call empathy. Right. And so like, you know, there, you know, like I've said before, right. You know, the, the reason I don't do things is because, you know, I, I don't want to hurt other people. Right. So like it, it's, I'm just curious as you, you, whether or not you think that, and again, we agree on the whole cursing thing, right? Cause it is, you know, I see that as not a big deal, right? As long as you're not being malicious or hurtful to people. Um, but you know, it's like, I, I guess I would hope that empathy would, you know, would, would be the guiding force. Yeah. I don't, I don't, well, I was going to answer your question. I would say like, I, I, probably be obsessed with justice and i would seek revenge and just try to enforce be like a justice enforcer if i didn't believe in god or i thought there was no god but like i don't think like um um i, th I think a lot of our values do come from like christianity like not, maybe not all of them um some of them could be maybe you could reduce to like empathy um but i, I don't I don't think we can just like remove God and then still have like these values that we have in the West. I have. Um, just... Well, on well, except again, well, this can't be answered on a deep level because, like you say, you re you remove God from your life, but if God truly exists, like I believe, well, then you haven't removed God from creation. You've just like removed the idea of God from your well, from your life. So, if there was no God, maybe there would not be this thing you call empathy. But you still grew up interesting. You still grew up in a Christian society, so you have been influenced by like Christian values and stuff. And I well, think I think that's I think that's a the, a byproduct of the fact that I was raised by Christian parents. So yeah, but, um, but you weren't just being in the West, just being born in the West is like you're going to be influenced by Christian values. And so like I think if we remove God, it's going to like do things like it's going to lower the value of human life and stuff like um, over time. It doesn't do that for it doesn't like so so like for example so like you say and to to Nate's point, um, what Nate said is true. I may have quote unquote removed God from my life, but that doesn't mean that the God doesn't exist. Wholeheartedly agree. Um, but um, I, I have often heard, and I'm not and I'm not projecting this onto anyone, but um, like for. I guess for the for, for the sake of the argument, and I agree with Nate. It's it's not a it's not a shat, this is not a shallow thing. This is a deep dive. Um, what's so because I am this quote unquote godless heathen, right? And you and you hear so many times, you know, like you know, atheists have no moral compass, all these other things, and yet, you know, I I operate within 
you know, the laws set up by society and within, you know, and within a moral compass, which are, which is based on empathy, um, uh, well-being and things like that. And I, and I don't do these, these other things. So it, I, I, I understand that, that many Christians, that many believers will say, well, that's because you have this moral law written on your heart. And that seems to me to be like punting a little bit. It is. It's. I mean, it is. It is an idea, one that I believe is accurate, but there's no way to prove it. So I mean, you know, it's. It's. It would be unfair if I was trying to like pin you up with this and, be, and make this an absolute claim, which I mean, I, I believe it's an ab absolute claim. Like I, I would make that claim. Like that is why. But if I was trying to use this to like, you know, as a, as like a got you or like to pin you to the wall, then that would just make me kind of a crummy person because I can't. I can't prove it to you. Like the way you would need it to be proved, only God can do, which may happen. But I can't do that in like an argument or a debate. So it would be crummy if I was trying to do that. But as food for thought, as look, this is what I believe. This is my sincerely held religious belief. Think about this. Then I think that's a totally valid thing to present to someone. I agree. But that we know that there's been societies in the past that didn't value human life. Like there's human sacrifices and stuff. So you could like, easily you could easily argue friend you could easily argue over the lack of value of human life and this is good. this is much more incendiary than i mean it to be but it's the first thing that came to my head um with the you know unbelievable like there are uh maybe i won't say it never mind so i don't think we can just like rationalize our way to like values and i think the christian worldview prov provides this nice like framework where like god's all humans are made in the image of god and then that makes human life sacred and without that like there's why value human life more than an animal life you know there's no reason to well well one i think one we we are we like to say you know value human life more than animal life well i believe we're animals right so i guess the the question would be can you give me an example of of a of a moral issue, and that this will be difficult because, it, having said this, I have to somewhat preface it, right? Because if you go with something like with what Nate said, you know, not cursing, I don't see that as a moral issue. So I think we have to stick to to the to the bigger stuff, unfortunately. And I'm not trying to make it overly difficult for you, but I think what it I would, would ask the trolley problem. Yeah, oh, yeah, sorry. yeah. Like uh, yeah, the trolley problem. Yeah, the, the trolley, trolley problem. I would probably do. I'd probably, without a thought, do the thing that's going to save the most people. So if right, that means exactly. I have, if I, yeah. And, and however you mix match that, like I, it, like if you want to say, that as a I'm, huh? As a, you would answer the trolley problem by like saving the most people as a Christian. No, if there was no God, like oh, okay. what, what he was talking about, like if there was no God, if I had nothing else to pull in my conscience or give me data input, then I would probably just do what you know most secular humanists would answer that and say, well, do it for the greater good, or do it for the most the most people. Like even okay, if I'm now. the one, even if I'm the one pulling the lever to do that. Um, whatever's going to save the most people, uh, just the most lives saved, if if there was no God or if I wasn't a Christian. Yeah, but I would argue that if you answer that question as an as a Christian, you're going to do the same thing. No way. Well, you've heard my argument. You've heard my argument, right? Like you you have. We believe we have God living with us, so we could feel we could feel a. Con well, hang on. I, I know you've heard that, right? So like yeah. we we believe that God would sway us one way or another. So if the obvious answer should be save the most lives, but something is, is pulling, like, you know, God is basically, without being cagey, basically we feel God is saying, no, you know, do the one that's going to uh, not save the most lives um, and trust my judgment. And that very well could prevent, like, you know, one of the greater people who would have been saved from doing unspeakable evils because you don't know the people's hearts. God does. So maybe God would, you know, be swaying you uh, 
You get what I'm saying, Michael? So like, I, I do. I do understand what you're. I do understand what you're saying. That seems like a very, like for again, with the inability to put myself in your shoes, that seems like a very, very scary tightrope to walk. Well, the for a Christian, I mean, yeah. Go ahead, yeah. Mike. For a Christian, the ends don't justify the means. The means are like the vital thing. So I'm gonna let the most people die because, like, to to say. To kill someone to save someone else, I'd be like killing my soul. And 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 for the record, I'm not saying it's a comfortable position to be yeah. put in. Yeah. I just believe you know there is a God that communicates with us, and um, yeah. So if if one decision, the uh, the obvious one is save the most people, but the one I end up going with would not technically save the most people. Um, if God's basically like, yeah, if you if you save the most people, one of those people you save is going to end up killing a billion people or destroying the planet or, you know, unleashing AI or something like that, that's going to be bad. Then by saving the least amount of people on that track, you actually end up saving way more people as a whole. Yeah. And, so, and to, yeah. And to what Ebike said, like, it, that's why, that's why the trolley problem gets used a lot because it makes like, if, if the, if the idea, if trying to answer that dilemma doesn't make you shift in your seat a little bit and doesn't make you a little uncomfortable, then I have other questions. Well, you think the ends justify the means? That's not what I said. Mm. So, so what I said was, so like, so the, the basis for my morality is well-being, the reduction of harm and suffering to the best of our ability, the promotion of flourishing to the best of our ability, and um, not imposing, uh, not involuntary imposing our will on someone who doesn't have the ability to consent. That is the, that is my moral foundation. And so when when I look at the trolley problem, uh, and, and it's weird because, you know, Nate added a couple of qualifiers, which I understand coming from his perspective. You know, he would add, he would have, and he would only have a couple seconds to think about those. And I think he would do the best he could. For me, we, when you only have, okay, and you're familiar with the trolley problem, yes? Yeah, you like kill one person to save 10 people or something like that. Exactly, right. Like, and, and for me, that's like when you look at it in its, in its most basic form, that's all the information you have. One person, 10 people. That's all you know. And so even though that one person might be, um, you know, might be the next Hitler and the 10 people are, you know, you know, are all the people or sorry, the, the, the one person is the person who's going to cure cancer and the 10 people are all equally the next co-Hitler. I'm still with, with no other information. I'm going to save the 10 people. Then you're right, a murderer. So, <laughs> go ahead, Ebike. You go ahead. You go. Yeah, I was just going to say, so Michael, so let's just push it further. So let's say you can go back in time to when Hitler is a uh, one year old. What would you do? Um, that's a really that's a really interesting question, um, and I'm forced. Okay, given the hypothetical that you're, it's just it's it's not a simple question. So, given the hypothetical that you're presenting me with, I have the capacity to go back in time. I have all of my current knowledge, and I am standing in the crib of one year old baby Hitler. Do, uh, can all I do is either kill or not kill, or can I steal him? I mean, Michael, you for can, the record, I'm not going to judge you for killing baby Hitler. Um, well, no, no, no. What I would say is, you, you, you can, no. Michael, you, you can, you can, let's Welcome, just say Brian. you found yourself there. So you just found yourself there. You weren't planning to go back in time. You just found okay. yourself there and figured out where you were. What oh, okay. would you do? You have any option. What would I you kidnap do? him. 
I'd kidnap him. And take him where? I don't know. Okay. I, I, I figured that out as I got out the door, but that, that's because I, I think because I think your your answer is right because I always see people always framing as binary, but it isn't that you kill or not kill. I would say move him to Nova Scotia, and he's not going to grow up to be Hitler. Well, let's make it binary: kill or not kill. <laughs> if if well, again, forced forced with that very specific dilemma, with the with the knowledge I have now, I, I'd I'd have to kill him. So on that note, <laughs> uh, Brian, welcome. Um, yeah, and anyone else? Um, we've wandered into Hitler territory. Does anyone else have a... Yeah. What's going on in chat? Is there any interesting que- uh, questions or topics going on in chat? You have to bring up Hitler. It's the internet. Oh, let's see. Why would God need to torture a human being to forgive mankind when he could just forgive us if we repent and try not to repeat the transgression? Well, end up on the right side of this, and you can ask God. Maybe he'll indulge you with an answer. But the Bible tells us just what is. So this is, you know, God's laws, God rules, God demands a sacrifice and atonement for his tra- for transgressions. So sins against God, he demands a sacrifice. Why that is, don't know. It just says this is how it is. So from that point, we're told that, you know, Jesus, who is God, he says, you know, no one takes my life. I lay my own life down. So it's not like, you know, God is off somewhere just torturing some dude. Uh, it's God himself. Jesus is, you know, the visible image of the invisible God. So Jesus lays his own life down and he says he has the authority to take it up again. So this is a completely selfless, willing act he does for the benefit of humanity. So whosoever will believe that and ask for his forgiveness will be forgiven. Um, So as to why couldn't he, I believe God could totally just snap his fingers or be like, yes, you're all forgiven. Um, I mean, I believe it's within the God's power to do what God wants, but as to why he didn't do that, there, no one's going to be able to, no, uh, we're just going to have to ask God. And if, you know, we actually still care about that question when we're in heaven, maybe he'll give us an answer. Doesn't Paul kind of answer this? Doesn't he say, like, it's the greatest act of love to sacrifice your life for others? Well, so he says this- to lay down your life for one's friends, yeah. Yeah, so like, I, I, yeah. to your point, I think it would be because of the lessons that we learn from it being done that way. Yes, I think you're on the right. Yeah, it's a demonstration of God's love for humanity by sacrificing his life for us. And so, again, we can, I mean, it, yeah, and I, I hate to keep doing this. Gosh, like, I'm like Philosoraptor. It's like deep thoughts with Nate. Um, but, I mean, it's, it's like um, to get deep, deeper than we could conceive, is what if all of this was so the religion of Christianity could be that we have a God who loves us so much, like you said, Ebike, Paul said, greatest act of love, that he gave himself for us, um, where there is not a lot of, where that would compare and contrast with other religions, where, you know, they, they don't have the same claim or they don't have the same setup, and that could have influenced things throughout the entire ages. So, I mean, going beyond just why did Jesus have to be tortured and sacrificed on a cross? Like this could have implications uh, that we will never know um, that are, that go way deeper than just our understanding. Like, why do you have to die in a tree? Um, yeah. Andrew, you wanted to come up? Hey guys. Good morning. Uh, yeah. I, um, I wanted to ask uh, two things. One is, is cussing in and of itself a sin inherently. And then two uh, is rebuking someone, is it appropriate to say something like, F you, you piece of bleep, um, you're a godless heathen? Is that is that an appropriate way to rebuke someone? I would say no. 
Situationally, I think it could be. We will just disagree on that. See how I did that? I didn't yell and scream. I just said, well, we just disagree. Can you give some a little more depth to that, Nate? Chris is asking you, bleeping blank, that, that thing? Well, we uh, talked about it maybe before you got yeah. in here, but like specifically referencing, uh, well, for one, that's just bad energy or bad vibes, like secular humanists could agree with that one. But then the Bible talks about, you know, don't even let unclean communication come forth from your mouth. So like if we're saying cursing, I think most of us would say is elevated beyond just, oh, I hope you have a bad day. Like that's pretty bad. But I think saying F you bleep, bleep, bleep is way further than saying, oh, I hope you have a bad day. I hope you get a flat tire. Like that's not that's not great. That's not super positive. So I mean, if we're talking about like don't even let like any unclean communication come forth from your mouth, um, that bar is very very high already. Um, so then by the time we're adding expletives and like bad intent and bad energy to it um, and all that passion and emotion in a negative way, um, you know what's the Bible say? Like you know a soft answer turns away wrath, but um, you know but whatever and a harsh response. Um, brings harsh reaction. I'm messing that up. But you know what I mean? Like a gentle answer turns sure. around. Yeah, yeah, so if yeah. we're doing the converse, yeah. So if we're doing the converse of that and coming all hot and heavy and going way beyond unclean communication, um, that's my biblical evidence for why that is not the right way to do that. Yeah. And I think that case could be undergirded by some more scripture as well. Um, but I'm curious. And I, I say that kind of, I, I ask those questions kind of tongue in cheek for my friend e-bike there. Um, you know, he gives pushback to this and I, I would like to, I'd like to hear what he says. I'd like to hear what he says. And then maybe we could, we could kind of interact with that for a second. Cause e-bikes made quite the case that there is, um, hold on e-bike, e-bikes made quite the case that it's okay to rebuke people with very harsh language. And I'm talking harsh language that you wouldn't even hear the heathen say, quote unquote. <laughs> okay. So, um, so yeah, I'm just curious. Uh, maybe Ebike, give your your honest answer to that, and then uh, maybe we could. Well, what is the verse in Ecclesiastes? Like, there's a time for every season, or something like that. I might be getting that wrong. Um... No, no. He's, yeah, you're you're right. He says, you know, for everything under the sun, there's there's a time, but then to extend that in, I mean, you know, he even uh, two things. One, to extend that into you know being kind of very like aggressive bad behavior. Um, I, I would say it's a little bit of a read in, but even if you want to say that, I'd say, look at Solomon uh, when he writes that he's in a serious spiritual funk. So he, he is not like in a great spiritual place when he writes this, because like around that same area, he talks about how, you know, everything is futile. Like he says futile enough that I want to be unchristian towards him. I'm like, oh my gosh, God, get it together. Like he's in a rut. So I would take everything, you know, just like Ecclesiastes context is key. So if you, if you know the context of Solomon, you temper everything he says with a big grain of salt because he is in a serious way. It doesn't mean it's bad. It doesn't mean it's untrue. It just means consider the author's intent. Like he is in a bad mm -hmm. way. So, um, you know, for example, there would not be a great time to go on a murdering rampage. Um, Solomon is in a bad spiritual desert. <laughs> uh, don't you, don't you feel like he pulled that together at the end though, Nate? I mean, like, I think he set it up, but I feel like he pulled that together at the end and made his whole kind of thing. Make well, yeah, and if you read it to the end, you see that. But yeah, definitely don't take his word as like you know steps for Christian living on chapters like what one through one through four, one through five. Um, he's in a bad way. Th this is just like you know you wouldn't take like what God says about these godless pagan Moabites or Amorites. Um, you wouldn't take what they say as gospel. Be like, oh, it says the Moabites slaughtered their kid and sacrificed them to the demon Moloch um, because it's in the Bible. Well, no, 
if you understand the context, these are evil, godless people. So, no, the Bible's telling you the history, and it's, it's a warning against don't be like these people. It's not saying be like these people. It's quite the opposite. So, I mean, all you, it's just the context. Like if you, and if you just read the whole book or the whole chapter, yeah, it totally clears that up, CEO. So if someone reads the end of Ecclesiastes, they're like, oh, okay, this guy's in a bad way. Yeah, he kind of pulls it back together. Um, but still, yeah, you don't want to take it as gospel. Well, yeah. I think um, one thing I appreciate about like Nate is like he lets me disagree with him, and he does, it's okay, right? And I think I think that's what Christianity should be like. I don't think we should all be the same. Like I think God could have a, a calling for Nate to maybe be like a nicer Christian, and he maybe God has a calling for me to be a meaner Christian or something. Um, but so I, I think like you know it takes all. It takes all kinds and we all have our, you know, uses for God. And, um, but like, I, it is something I struggle with, Andrew, like I was saying, I don't know if you were here earlier, I was asking Nate about this because when I rebuke people, like, I feel like we should be our harshest critic. We should criticize ourselves, judge ourselves way more than we judge others. And so I do struggle with this. Like, did I, was I too harsh? Did I go too far? I think about that a lot, actually, Danny. Well, and I'm glad you say that. I'm glad you say that, Evike. Um, I just wanted to say, you know, uh, from a pastoral position, like Nate, if we were in that kind of setting or in a church setting and you have Evike re- rebuking people the way that he has. And in full disclosure, I mean, I, I, I've spent hours with Evike on the, on this issue and, you know, we have rooms and he gets kicked out repeatedly because he'll say things. And I'll ask him, why did you say that? And he said, I'm rebuking them. And I'm like, well, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think you can qualify you know, F you, you dirty piece of whatever, you're a godless, blah, 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 blah. I don't think you can qualify that as a rebuke. I don't think you can. But he says that, you know, he he, he said people hated Jesus too, you know, and he'll, he'll, he'll put it under that banner that he's being like martyred. And I just, I, 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 I sincerely want, I just want to see that change because I really want to be able to include e-bike in the rooms and not have these kind of issues. But I really, I really want to know, like, what the strongest case would be made from a Christian perspective that that's not something we should be doing. If it is something we should be doing, well, then uh, let 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 it let it fly, you know, Nathan. Don't have a problem with it, right? Just there should be no limit. He should be able to just say that whenever he wants to, if he feels it's appropriate. Let the spirit move him, quote unquote, and rip somebody a new one. Well, let me uh, let me say, yeah, uh, real fast, just because someone in chat uh, before we get too far away. Uh, I'll be right back to this. But someone asked where where the God requires a sacrifice. I don't remember. It was a long time ago, but I, want, I got their answer. But Hebrews 9.22 says, In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So again, I mean, that would be biblical evidence, but as to the why, uh, don't know. we got to ask God someday. But anyway, that would be biblical basis to, you know, why God requires a sacrifice. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. Um, but uh, Andrew, I mean, if it was in a pastoral setting, which is weird because to try to imagine myself in that setting, I mean, I would I would take the same approach I, I did. I'm like, well, look, this is biblical. This is what I believe is biblically accurate. I would, you know, bring in the resources from, you know, like Paul. I'd be like, well, look, Paul did admonishing a lot. Like, look how he handled Peter. Um, so, I mean, you know, what better example to follow than, you know, people in the Bible. So whenever he's like rebuking and admonishing people, um, let's look at Jesus. Let's look at Paul. And, um, that's what I, that's what I'd say. So, you know, there's no expletives and I right. know Evike, you brought up Jesus earlier and, you know, you kind of tried to equate, um, you know, Jesus to like brood of vipers as I, I think kind of like the F you or being very, very hard exactly. using first words. Um, I would not draw that conclusion. That would be, I, and I would say it in a pastoral setting, a big bro, that is a bridge way too far. I cannot agree with that. 
Um, so at that point, you know, we just have a severe disagreement. And if I was the pastor, I mean, you know, the Bible also says, you know, admonish them like once, once, well, like once privately, then with witnesses, then in front of the whole church. And if they still disagree, like you still won't fall in line, well, you know, just cut off communication. And it doesn't mean I'm a better Christian or you're a worse Christian. I could be wrong. But if I'm sincerely following my own religious convictions, I'd be like, okay, well, if I'm, if I'm the pastor, if I'm the one who's tasked with making these decisions, then this is my conviction and it would be a sin for me not to follow it. So, you know, I've done this once privately. I've done this with witnesses. I've done this before the, before the church. If that person is still like, no, you know, we just disagree and that's fine, but I'm going to tell these people to F off, blah, 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 as your assistant pastor or a deacon or whatever. I'm like, okay, well, I mean, you know, we, we just have to cut off fellowship. I, I can't, I can't have you doing that or I'm violating my conscience. So with all the love in my heart, uh, find a new church. And that would be hard to do, but I would be, who am I responsible for? Making someone feel good about a disagreement or God? So, you know, if assuming they're trying to follow God, you know, e-bike is the example, assuming he's trying to follow God, if that's truly his conviction, I wouldn't know how he comes to that. But I'd say, OK, well, you know, my stance, I've given you biblical evidence. I've followed the biblical prescription. Um, yeah. So now I have to be, um, honor, you know, loyal to God over you. So find a new church. And maybe if I was the if I was the guy and e-bike was the head pastor, um, he'd, be like, he'd be like, well, you're too soft. You got to find another church. And I'm like, well, that's hard to hear, but I guess I'll go find a new church. Good yeah, morning. I mean, in, in, in fairness to e-bike, though, I will say that it's it's hard to make the comparison to how you would behave in church because or communicate in church because there's a lot of things Christians on Clubhouse that aren't even going to the point you're talking about, Andrew, would communicate differently in church. So I'm not sure that that's the most fair comparison. Yeah, this is like the Wild West. Uh, Tippy, what did you want to say, Tippy? Welcome, by the way. I just said good morning, that's all. Oh, hi. Uh, Andrew. Yeah, I'm just trying to say under, under the strictest standard, is that going to be acceptable? You know, if we, I, my, my question really is, CEO, and I appreciate that, buddy. I'm not trying to be unfair. I, I actually, I really try to be charitable, E-Bike. I, I really do. Um, but I don't want it to be like, it's, it's, I don't want this to appear like it's my stamp of approval, like we're in agreement on this issue. Because I don't think we should be speaking to people, uh, heathen or not. In that way, I mean, rather, rather, rather cussing is a sin or not inherently, which I'm not convinced that it is. Um, you know, we could talk about the unhealthy and unwholesome, wholesome speech, but just kind of the 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 witness um, effect that that would have to just rip somebody and to come at them with, with with what sounds like vitriol. And it doesn't. And I understand. I understand holy anger and that kind of thing. I, I get that. But there's it seems like more of just venting and unleashing. And I just don't think I don't think there's a place for that. I don't think we should be doing that. Yeah. And, and I know that, that that some Christians drive a truck through Jesus saying brood of vipers and you, and, you know, you empty tombs or that kind of thing. So people just think that means you can just say, you know, F you, you POS and kick them out or something like that. I just I, I don't see that. I can't see that making sense. I think that's a huge stretch. I agree with Nate. That's a bridge too far. And uh, yeah, I was just wondering what he would do in a pastoral situation. I just wanted it to real the rubber to meet the road. What are you? What would really happen if that was if that had to come to a head? Uh, would he be allowed to stay in the church, or would he be removed? And that's that's kind of my question. But yeah, no, I appreciate that, and I appreciate everybody's input on this. I think it's a, an important question. I say it out of love to you, Ebike. I really want to find a way forward with you. So that's that's really the the basic. Does everyone understand uh, the meaning behind the, the brood of vipers? Uh, what's that? I said, does everybody understand the meaning behind the brood of vipers? 
Uh, why don't you enlighten us? So it has to do with um, them being sons of Cain. Uh, when when Eve uh, had, you know, she thought she was giving birth to the angel of the Lord, which would be the Messiah, because that's what God promises in Genesis 3.15. But she got Cain instead. And Cain is spiritually a son of Satan. uh, And that's the serpent. So when Jesus is calling the Pharisees, you brood of vipers, he's actually saying you're sons of Cain. Spiritually, you are from Satan. Damn, I've never, I've never said anything that mean to people. Oh, well, just to, well, just hang to on. Tra- oh, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if this was addressed. I hope it was, but the fact that Jesus, Jesus had certain rights to say and do things, doesn't mean we have the right to do that. All right, I, I hope that. Are we supposed to be Christ-like? Yeah. No, 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 no. We're to be Christ-like in His character and His character, not necessarily in everything He said and did. There's certain things that he did that we are not to imitate. It would be he accepted worship. I'm not to be like, oh, I'm being Christ-like. Someone's worshiping me. I'm being Jesus. No. We're to be Christ-like and we're to be Christ-like in things that Jesus character. Not necessarily like there's also gifts gifts he has. So there are clear commands to bless those that curse us. When Paul says when he was reviled, he reviled not again. He was he was treated as garbage but he blessed those he responded graciously it's not christ-like to go around ridiculing putting people down it's inappropriate to do that talking using derogatory language we'd be very careful yes i know paul used insults against people but he was inspired of god we'd be very very careful in how we talk to people especially unbelievers it does not make it go on i well, I, I just I missed what Tippy said. I was trying to respond in the comments. Uh, Tippy, can you? Because I heard Ebike say, "I've never said anything that bad to people." Uh, Tippy, what what was the thing that prompted Ebike to say that about the Satan or something? So spiritually, the Pharisees are are sons of Satan. Um, they they think that Abraham is their father. That's the you know that's what they think. They're thinking more along the lines of something physical, or uh, fleshly, carnal. But really, Jesus is calling them out because spiritually they are sons of Satan or sons of Cain, and that's. Um, that's who Eve got. She desired the angel of the Lord. This is in um, Targum Jonathan, uh, Genesis three fifteen. She she literally thought she was giving birth to the Messiah, um, but instead she got Cain, and um, Cain was a son of the serpent spiritually. Oh, okay, right. And you know, he even says, "Your father's the devil." They're like, "Our father is Abraham." He's like, "No, your father's Satan." Yeah. But I mean, I would still say, like, again, that's that's apples and oranges. Like, it may it may be like. It may make someone offended, and I'd say offended for the cross of Christ. Tough luck to deal with it. Um, but again, Jesus wasn't like, "F you, your sons of Satan." He was like, "They didn't have your sons." He, he was like, "Your sons of the devil." So I would still say there's a big difference in like, hey, was- like, like, I, well, to finish, um, you know, talking to people every day, I'm like, well, look, you can say things. It's not how you say it; it's in the way you say it. So like, when people are like, I believe, I'm like, look. Uh, atheist person, cover your ears, Michael, or don't. Um, I'm like, look, atheist person or Muslim person, I believe that without repenting and following the Jesus Christ of the Bible, believing in his death, burial, and resurrection, and putting your faith in him to save you and give you eternal life, you will burn in a lake of fire forever. And I don't want that to, I don't want that for you. I want you to repent and receive eternal life. You can do that right now. So I've just told someone in a really nice way that without Jesus, they're going to burn forever in hell. But I did it without also saying, like, I would say that would that that's fine. That's my conviction. If they're offended, tough luck. 
Um, I was as hospitable as I could be without compromising. But then if I said, hey, F you, you're firewood for hell. You're going to be Satan's, you know, like Satan's hooker in hell forever. Um, F you. That would be a very bad way of doing that. So we're saying the same things. Just one is, you know, with less expletives. You're going to be Satan's hooker in hell forever. I have literally <laughs> never heard that. That is a creative one. A, but on a, on a serious tip, um, yeah, I, think maybe an, I think maybe Andrew and e-bike, the, the fretting of the needle to look at is um, the verse in Luke where um, Jesus says something to the effect of being as shrewd as a serpent with the intentions of a dove. So oh, yeah. e-bike, if when you are doing this, you have the intentions of a dove, then you, I think you have a better case with Andrew. If you're doing this because you're agitated and e-bike, let's be honest, sometimes you might have just been agitated, then I don't think it carries the same. Can I just say that you're right, we should be as wise as serpents and as gentle as a dove. However, we need to meet people where they're at. So if somebody's being very hostile with me, um, I'm going to answer the fool according to his folly. Uh, I'm not always going to be very nice, but there should be some decorum because we are representatives of Christ. And, uh, you know, I, I see people do this all the time and um, like even Jewish people. I'm like, are you are you just coming in here to cause problems or, you know, are you actually, you know, being a representative as a Jewish person? You need to have some decorum. You are the representative on stage for that religious group. That's a good point. And I, I think you'll notice that, like, I am, like, usually it's like I'm matching someone else's energy. I'm usually not, like, just going off on someone who's, like, you know, a sweet, innocent, you know. <laughs> There's no reason for me to go off entirely. Unless they're Monday. <laughs> Unless you went, off, oh, yeah, you went I mean, off on Joanna one day because she was being nice to you about e-bike. That that one was a little weird. Uh, yeah, and there, are, <laughs> there are times he does that. No, well, I mean that's like that Lilo person earlier. I mean, you know, I again don't want to toot my own horn, but I mean, you know, toot everyone's horn. Like no one really freaked out on her or anything like that when she was freaking out on us. Like she just went off the rails, and I'm like, okay, well, I mean, maybe it would have been different if I didn't have mod controls. But I'm like, okay, well, thanks, but you know. I'm not going to deal with you yelling and screaming at me and, you know, just spouting lies. So thanks. Bye. Moved her to the audience. She freaked out and chat a while and then left. Joanna. Not to say that's right or wrong, but, you know, that happened today. Oh, the Joanna thing. She was doing this passive aggressive thing and she was doing it like she was coming in every day for like a week doing this like same passive aggressive. I can't remember exactly what it was, but was it, it was like a bless your heart thing. I can't really describe it, but it was like <laughs> she's. It was hilarious. I think she said something about you were feeling sick, and she's like, oh, you know, I'm the type of person who would cook, bring you food or order you something. And you're like, stop being nice. I don't trust people who are nice. <laughs> <laughs> I guess okay. one thing one thing from uh, to chuck in the, the, uh, the heathen perspective. Oh, I do, you got a call. I do like – I was just going to say, just real quick, uh, just Nate, just so you know, um, the reel's back. He's the guy that you had to remove because he was you – know, you guys were talking about – the revelation verse you might give him another shot but the other thing is too is um i noticed uh son is down there have you ever talked to son nate the guy down there in the audience the guy that's saying some pretty um <clears throat> interesting stuff in chat i love you son um son s-u-n s-u-n so he's like oh i'll tell you an orca you know, um, or seawolf have i talked to you son i don't think i 
talk to oh him. yeah it'll be it'll be a life changer nate it'll you want to you want to have a conversation i'm telling you he's uh he's quite an interlocutor and i, I I'm, I'm serious he actually he actually when he's being sincere i think he and he doesn't like when i say that because he says he's always sincere but um when he's being sincere i think he's a very good interlocutor but uh yeah there's there's him but then yeah the reel's also down there just a couple suggestions but yeah i really appreciate the input on this topic and e-bike you know i you know uh, you're always welcome buddy but i just last night was there's a lot going on yeah um welcome but like you know there there is love in my heart and i do want the best for everyone and like i pray uh for those who persecute me and um you know, I'm I'm human. I make mistakes, but Ebike, how long have you been a Christian? If I could ask. Uh, for well, I was raised Catholic, but I left the. I believed in God, but I left uh, Christianity. I became like kind of New Age hippie, and then so four years ago, I came back to Christianity. Okay, so maybe you're just on a journey. Yeah, I guess I'm kind of a baby still. Like I'm really f- four years in. I don't know if I really count like my childhood Catholicism. Levi, do you believe like the the Bible is the word of God? Do you believe it's inspired? Just uh, it's inspired. Um, do you believe I don't it... think it's inerrant. Okay. I don't think it's inerrant. Okay, so you believe it has mistakes? Is that what you mean by that? Yes. I would say that the the um the manuscripts have uh, textual mistakes, but I wouldn't say that the word of God itself has any mistakes. What about the part in Mark where like the snake? venom uh like the snake handler passage yeah that has to do with uh if you if you continue reading paul actually gets bit by a snake and it doesn't affect him so so the long ending of mark is not part of mark it was added much later that's what i heard we have yeah so i mean but but we are honest with these textual variants um you know same thing with the common johannine same thing with you know, all of the textual variants, the difference between, say, the Quran and the Bible is that um, biblical scholars are honest with textual variants. We know which ones they are. They don't affect any doctrine at all. Um, and everybody knows about them. We're upfront about them. Um, you know, whereas the Quran, I'm not an expert in this, but basically they, they burned every manuscript except one, essentially, and then you know, made sure everybody followed that one. So, I mean, there's, is that about right, Tiffany? So, um, so Uthman, the, the Quran, I mean, there's, there's a bunch of missing, um, there's a bunch of missing surahs just throughout like the Hadith and the Tafsir. Um, so I would say that if you wanted to look at the Quran and do textual criticism, you wouldn't be able to do it. There are over 37 different Qurans and there are massive differences textually just between the Warsh and the Hafs Quran. All right. So, so the Bible, so when we talk about the long ending of Mark, you know, that doesn't really change anything and it's always marked and it's never left out. So even the LSB, which has the finest textual criticism, of any of the English versions, it, they leave it in, put brackets around it because it's like, Hey, we're, this has been in traditionally, we're going to leave brackets around it. Maybe you shouldn't teach from it, but it's, it's still there to see it. It's in the Latin, sorry. it's in the Latin manuscripts and not in the Greek manuscripts. Um, right. but, but there are some, um, some books of the Greek manuscripts where they have left a, a space open for the, the ending of Mark. So it's not like it doesn't belong there. They were, I would say, expecting that to be there, but they just didn't get the manuscripts to fill it in. 
right. Well, I mean, look, the, the, the textual criticism, I think, on the end of Mark is, is fairly clear, right? So there's nine Mark, non-Markian words that Mark never uses in his writing. Um, you know, it, it was definitely added. When it was added is up for debate, but it was definitely added. Do we include it? Sure. Do we let people know, like, hey, this has, you know, been left in here? Sure. Um, same thing with the, uh, you know, the beginning of John 8, right? So the woman caught in adultery, that was definitely added. Um, we, we know when it was added, you know, stuff like that. So, you know, the comma Jahanin, we know that that was added. You know, we're just, we're honest with those textual variants. That doesn't take away from the inerrancy of scripture. It just means that we're honest with our textual variants. Now, what we, we would could, say if is... If we could say this... If it was, yes, we are very honest with textual variance. Uh, but as someone just said, and I've looked at it, I've looked through it before. A lot of the early church fathers, and I'm talking about in the second century, from the 100, 101 to 200 AD, quoted from the extended uh, text of uh, Mark, of, of Mark 16, and the people accepted it as scripture. Uh, I mean, like Tertullian, Origen, Cyprian. Uh, they uh, accepted Mark the the long ending of Mark as scripture because when, when you think about it, what's one of the, what's one of the first things that's in that? We see the resurrection. We see the Great Commission. We see the Ascension. All of that is. Is in there, and we can find other scriptures to support the ending of Mark 16, the long ending, the long ending. I would say it has absolutely no bearing on the full message or the full doctrine of the crucifixion, resurrection, and deity of Christ. Well, yeah, and I mean, just because the yeah, just because the long ending of Mark wasn't in there doesn't mean it's like not true. It just means you know it was, may not have been part of the original. I mean, it has nothing to do with the veracity of it. Uh, Paul, did you have something to say about this? I noticed you raised your hand too. Oh, sorry. Yeah, the um, <clears throat> the uh, I was going to mention something about the uh, Quranic manuscripts that uh, they claim that the Hafs, which is the 1924 Cairo edition is uh, been perfectly preserved but we haven't seen any anything from uh, quote-unquote iniquity manuscript that would match it to 100 percent uh, accuracy even the um, top copy wouldn't match it uh, because it's just the top copy is actually missing uh, i believe a couple surahs and the textual variants are huge but um i also want to say one more thing about the ending of mark uh, because I did argue once with a with a Jewish person that actually was claiming that uh, Mark doesn't have the resurrection account, uh, but if we notice from the short ending of the of Mark, uh, when the apostles go and see whether Jesus is in a grave or not, they don't find him there. So th the, the, <laughs> we're not missing anything by actually having the long versus the short ending of mark that's what i wanted to say oh welcome the real how is it yeah what's today? up man i hope you never you change doing? your uh, profile picture the real i love it man I think it's yeah i changed it a couple times but i keep going back to this one i like it you know the story behind it it's, it's a quick story don't worry but it was uh all i did was went on this random ai generator 
and I typed in Exodus. I didn't give it any prompts or anything. I just typed in Exodus, and then this is what it came up with. That's so awesome. Looks pretty dope, right? Yeah. So yeah, I was like, I yeah that's so. cool. I'm going to keep that. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I think uh, Andrew knows because I was in his room yesterday having a discussion with a couple Muslim gentlemen. And uh, it was really interesting because, like, the one thing they do, one of the things that, okay, some of them do, I don't want a blanket statement, but the the one that these guys in particular did was he was spending like i don't know two hours arguing against atheism and uh you know the lack of uh of truth in their claims of the age of the earth etc and how all their methods are flawed and how they don't have any reason to believe anything they believe and this and that and then when i asked him one of the reasons he believes that you know like their quran is legitimate and how they know it one of the one of the things he brought up was carbon dating we can carbon date the, the 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 original text or whatever, and I just thought that was funny because he just spent like two hours telling atheists how they can't know anything. So they don't they don't have an original anywhere. The closest that they're right. going to get is the Birmingham Museum, which is only I think uh, part of Surah four or Surah two. It's only a few pages, and it's not it's not even accurate yeah okay yeah i think i think he mentioned the Birmingham. i think that's what he was talking about the birmingham museum one but then the other thing too that i've had with muslims on this app so far is that they talk about you know the lack of originality of the of the biblical text right but they acknowledge that there was an immense persecution okay of the christian church by the jews and the romans they acknowledge that they even one of them even brought up a, a book to me from um, uh, some ecclesiastical writing, uh, church, early church writing. And um, he, he, it says that the Romans would go into everyone's house and burn any, you know, text that they found, any letters that they found and hang everyone, you know, or kill everyone who had it, which makes total sense to me when you know anything about, you know, history and the way that these, uh, you know, the way that they would try to stomp out these perceived rebellions or, or, you know, cults in their societies, they would first get rid of all the correspondence, right? They would stomp out their communication and they would kill everyone who was practicing it publicly to discourage others from doing so. Right. So like that makes perfect sense anyway. And they'll acknowledge that that happened, but then they still demand that there would be an original text because, you know, if it was really from God, then there would be an original, but then from what Tippy and Chris and you guys have been saying, Sounds like they don't even have the original text that they claim. So that's that's good to know. No, and the carbon dating on the Birmingham Museum um, Quran actually predates Muhammad's time. Uh, the, the parchment, or the, not parchment, but the, um, what is it called? Uh, papyri. Uh, it predates Muhammad. What they oh, that's can't, hilarious. <laughs> yeah, so, so what, they, what they can't do is they cannot um, date the ink because, uh, you know, ink kind of just comes from a little bit of everywhere. Uh, so if, if they did that, also the, um, the Birmingham Museum has, uh, Quran has the diacritical marks or the dots. If you read Quran without the dots, you wouldn't be able to understand it. Like you would have to, you would actually have to know what it's saying. Like you would have to know, have it memorized. Um, but it, does, it has the dots on there and those were added uh, over 200 years uh, after Muhammad by a Persian man. So it's, it's the writing you can see is late and the papyri is early. 
I think at the end of the day, you you gotta say this. This is why they appeal to the oral tradition tradition, because their um, scribal tradition is non-existent. So they appeal to the telephone game, and they they want to substantiate it by saying, "Oh, it's been mass transmitted, therefore was preserved." But there is no actual empirical evidence for this nonsense. And the what happened really is actually the manuscripts worked against them, if if that makes sense. In other words, what's What's a similar uh, thing that happened in history is the Hebrew Bible. So the Hebrew Bible uh, claimed the same thing, right? Claimed the oral transmission, the preservation in, in oral and scribal tradition. And the atheists were throwing the accusation of bogus, right? And so, for example, the Masoretic text. The Masoretic text claimed the oral tradition and its preservation. Uh, and also the Septuagint, but we didn't have any actual manuscripts before Christ until the discovery of, of the uh, Dead Sea Scrolls, correct? And that was the biggest slap in the atheist and the secular world face, because now we have the Masoretic text over 90%, and also the Septuagint over 90% accuracy. Uh, the Isaiah, the scroll of Isaiah, over 98, I believe, and it's, and it's rolled out in Jerusalem uh, Museum. So the, the scroll of Isaiah is actually rolled out in, on display with a full accuracy of over 98%. Now, I don't remember all these um, trivial numbers, but uh, you can look them up, you can look at all the, all the, the data, and you would notice that, that it kind of slapped everyone in the face saying, yes, this is not a normal book. That was, this is a, a book that was faithfully transmitted. Why am I saying all this is to allude to the, back to the Islamic narrative that, oh, it's oral transmission. They discovered a manuscript that's called the Sana'a manuscript, or Sana'a, or I, I don't know how to pronounce it in English, but it, it, it's in Sana'a, which is... Um, a city in Yemen. That's correct. Uh, they, they they thought it was a major discovery that's going to prove the the oral transmission just like we proved the oral transmission. They were so happy with it, with that discovery, because this is the earliest manuscript. This is at the time. This would be contemporaneous to Muhammad. <laughs> to their to their disappointment, though. It was not matching. So now here comes the mental gymnastic. Oh, this is, was a was a was a um, you know one of the reader's notes. It wasn't a manuscript. No, no, no. This is was someone practicing the Quran. We don't know who this is from. <laughs> so yeah, this is where we are. Yeah, that's crazy. I, <clears throat> that's cool stuff, Paul. I just wanted to ask you, uh, Nate. How, you you got to leave real soon, don't you? You got to roll out now. <laughs> oh shoot! Darn it. Okay. Well, maybe two we can well, do. I hate. What, what do you want to well, say? I hated, uh, well, I just hated to see you and the real leave on the terms you did yesterday. And I, I do think we talked following that. He brought up some context to Revelation twenty-one, and twenty-one, seventeen, twenty-one. I think it's twenty-one. Um, and you know, I mean, obviously, this is this is where it gets tricky. You know, obviously, he's Unitarian, and the, uh, see, I have no problem. 
like I said yesterday, breaking bread with him. But I think from your perspective, you know, he's he's anathema, Ichabod or something like that. You know, um, <laughs> uh, I, I don't know, but I, I would think that's the case, Nate. And, 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 and I, I just don't know how it's very tough because you look at those scriptures and I can see how he would take his position. We haven't got to talk about it again in the real. I just saw the message you sent me. But, um, you know, yeah, I mean, if you were to give your maybe your super quick take on 21 then maybe uh, it'd be awesome to hear what you think about it. I do have to go. So God bless you guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Tibby. Take care. Are you there the room? Uh, yeah. Oh, me? For me to give my quick thing? Yeah, I mean, I can. Yeah, it's, it's what I sent you yesterday. So in, in response to, you know, who is this one speaking from the throne in Revelation 21, you have to go, because there's nothing to indicate that it's somebody different. Um, than the than the person on the throne in Revelation uh, five. So in Revelation five thirteen, I heard every creature in heaven, on earth, under earth, and the sea, and everything in them say, "Blessing and honor and glory and dominion to the one seated on the throne and to the Lamb." And in that context of that chapter, we see that the Lamb is um, in the midst of the creatures receiving the scroll from the one on the throne. So I don't think anyone would dispute that, at least in that context, that's the father on the throne, the lamb receiving the scroll, breaking the seals of the scroll, being worthy, of course. And then this would correspond with Revelation 21. And we would see, well, this one that is speaking here is speaking from the throne. So I have to be shown as a Unitarian, I have to be shown by a Trinitarian where I'm supposed to believe it's anyone else other than the one who is on the throne in Revelation 5, which would also correspond with Acts chapter 7, G, uh, Stephen's vision, where he sees the sun at the right hand of the throne. It would also correspond with first, uh, Revelation, or sorry, 1 Corinthians 15, where Paul talks about the one who put everything under his feet. This would be Christ uh, having everything put under his feet by the Father. He says, but the one who put everything under his feet is not under him. I'm paraphrasing, but that is almost literally what it says. And so this would lead to my interpretation where, okay, the son is at the right hand of the throne. The son is at the right hand of the throne. I know there are passages in Revelation where it says things like he is in the throne. Okay, but we can't take these other passages away from that, like Stephen's vision, like Revelation 5. So so that would just be where I'm at with it. I'm not saying there aren't tough scriptures to, to overcome for both sides, because I think there is. But yeah, for me, it's it's clear that the lamb is not the one on the throne based on Revelation 5 alone. Okay, so I guess I'll just say my piece and then I, I really will have to run and we can pick this up another time. And by the way, yeah, it's, not sure, gonna be, it's, it's probably not going to be me or any Christian who shows you it'll be God. Um, I, I think you'd probably you know be like, okay, well, the same answer goes for you too, Nate. Uh, you know, God will show you the way. Anyway, so that would be the first thing is, you know, if someone's going to reveal this to you, it's going to be God. But um, I think, you know, the book of Revelation, like, you know, I would have, before I talked to you yesterday, said everyone knows this is Jesus talking. But going from Revelation, I'm just going to cite stuff quick. I mean, I have time to read it all. But um, I, I actually looked it up yesterday after we talked, and I was going to respond. But then, you know, we had our kerfuffle, and I had to go anyway. But um, I was trying to bring some of it back up what I had. But so Revelation, like going from like 1, I think 8, where Jesus identifies himself as the Alpha and Omega. And then you see the titles like from the New Testament, even to the Old Testament, used for Jesus in Revelation over and over these are the same titles Jesus had all throughout Revelation and the rest of the Bible. So then when he talks about, um, you know, he's the first and the last and the living and he's bringing his reward with him um, in like Revelation, what, like uh, 
Revelation two and three. Like when he's judge, he, when he's addressing the seven churches, he talks about who those who overcome. He's going to bring them his reward. Look, I'm coming soon, and my reward's coming with me to give to each person what they've done. So, anyways, things like this is why it's commonly stood by like if there's two billion people who call themselves Christians and however many Unitarians that are, um, almost two billion people would say this is clearly Jesus talking in Revelation. So I guess for those who would disagree. I'd say Revelation one eight or one something. I think it's eight. Revelations two and th Revelation two and three, and Revelation. Oh, uh, John twenty and Matthew, John twenty seventeen and Matthew eighteen ten, um, are all and Matthew twenty five thirty four are all good reasons. Um, if someone didn't already know this was Jesus talking Revelation, why they would think in particular this is Jesus. On the uh, on the throne in Revelation twenty one seven, saying he will be their God and they will be his people, or he will be his son. Um, anyway, so that's what I would say. Uh, didn't mean to get that too through that too quick, but um, yeah, we can pick us up at another time if you could like. <laughs> yeah, I would. Yeah, I would love it if if you could, Nate. If you could just um, respectfully like try to actually answer how that explains the context of Revelation five being not relevant in revelation 21 that'd be great because in revelation 5 i don't think you would dispute that the lamb who's receiving the scroll from the one on the throne is the son the lamb is clearly jesus right so sure. if we agree on that then then i think the the onus is on you to explain to me why we see the lamb is the one receiving something from the one on the throne in revelation 5 yet in revelation 21 he's all of a sudden the one on the throne Right. That's that seems like the onus is on you to yeah to make that make sense. That doesn't work, but I don't think we have time to go into it right now. But we can. Do I mean, I mean, I'm sure I'll see as... you guys in another room or something, and we can go over it, Chris. You know what I mean? But yeah, I mean, go go ahead and go ahead and respond, Chris. I'll maybe a few more minutes. I, I do need to go, but if you yeah, can I mean, say what you need to say, it's quick. it's a really long like we'd have to go through each of the passages. But basically, um, you know, when we're looking at the context in Revelation 5, it's at the beginning of the vision. Um, lots of stuff develops, and then we're looking at the very end of the vision, and we're talking about the the marriage supper of the Lamb in 21. Um, so there's there's a completely different context as to who's on the throne, and there's a bunch of developments in between. So it would be a pretty, pretty drawn-out discussion as to what happens between 5 and 21. Or do you have to go, Chris, or do you want to keep it going, or do you, are you busy? No, I'm I'm actually about to go into a meeting to do some billing. So, yeah, and Nate, Nate do you ever go to other rooms, or do you just do you just pretty Heck much no. just do this? <laughs> <laughs> you got to have the power, right, brother? <laughs> well, I appreciate you, Nate. Yeah, uh, it's, it's cool. I, I Thanks, Nate. You know, we'll go over it another time, dude. I just yeah, yeah I would yeah, just say definitely. that I would just say that you know, there's some other passages I brought up that didn't get addressed, and there's some passages you brought up that I didn't get to address. So it's all good. We'll we'll go over it another time, and you know, I appreciate it. Sure. And at a certain point, I mean, you know, we can reason back and forth and, you know, just like e-bike and I earlier, like we can reason back and forth and use scriptures, but, you know, ultimately it seems like, you know, we, we will disagree on some. And so at a certain point, it's like, you know, I'm sure you are sounding your belief for, you know, reasons that make you that way. Um, I'm sounding mine for reasons that make it that way. So, I mean, I think it would be beneficial. Maybe one of us will point out something the other didn't previously consider, but I mean, I mean, I really think, um, We've probably been down this road before, each of us, and we're pretty solid. So the chances of us finding something that the other hasn't considered are slim, but not non-existent. So I think it's worth worth it to have that conversation. But um, yeah, I have a, I have a feeling more more than not that uh, you know it's it's going to be uh, 
either it's not going to happen, we're just going to have to civilly disagree, or, you know, God is going to be, you know, the one that sways one of our uh, minds. I'm glad um, you said it. Yours, I'm, glad you, I'm, glad you said, I'm glad you said God sways one of us, because before it's like the real, the only one that can show you is God. And then now you're saying it's both. It could be either one of us. And I appreciate you saying that, because I do think that is the case. I mean, it could be the case that the real is correct. So, um, but, I, but I appreciate that, Nate. Thank you very much for the. All right, everyone. Take care. Have an awesome Wednesday. Andrew. See you guys later. All right. See you, Nate. See, see Chris with the love of Christ in my heart. I'm going to let that one lie. <laughs> yeah. I mean. See you guys later. Come on, Andrew. Take care. Okay, good. Have a good day, buddy. You too.